Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. in my hand, I felt pretty fancy doing that. Cozy chamomile. Alliteration, friends. Alliteration. Well, there's really no other place to start. Thank you to Nathan Stearns and Brennan Shabath for filling in for us last week. We are back. Henry Menegos, as always, behind the glass. Yes, sir. Hey, we're doing, a, we're, we're doing a roll there. call. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a roll call. You gotta, like, chime in. Tell us something. Tell yeah, us something man. good. Hey, something good. It's The sun is shining. The birds are singing. It's a good day to be in East Lansing. Henry had a uh, kind of a new college football experience. Went down to Ann Arbor yesterday for the Rocky Lombardi comeback game. Oh, wait. That didn't necessarily happen. It, but It didn't formalize, no. It materialized. As, as much as we may poke fun at our Wolverine friends, and I was texting back and forth with you a little bit, It's they put on a good game day. Ta- sure. The tailgating scene is great. Any first impressions of uh, A2? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the, I like the area. You know, I like the campus. You got obviously a nice stadium, nice uh, nice game day atmosphere. So, you know, no complaints. This is not a Michigan football show. This not is, at all. Far th- from it. That's this as is, nice as I'll be, though. Tr- yes, <laughs> this is the Green and White Report. So it only figures that we talk about the Green and White. And where do we start? But yesterday's thirty eight seventeen win for Michigan State over Miami on the road. Just a massive win for Michigan State. They will be ranked in the AP Top 25. They are not now. Miami was number 24 at the time of the win. Peyton overrated. Thorne, com- incredibly overrated. Incredibly. Did Mel Tucker just put a bullet in Manny Diaz's career? Mel Tucker ripped that stupid U in half. Like, yeah. It's just it's, it's two halves now. It's like a wishbone. I saw Manny I saw, Diaz is holding the green half and the orange half in his two hands. I saw something on Twitter where when Charleston Rambo scored the touchdown, he had like the touchdown rings. Yeah. And then after that, Michigan State scored like 17 consecutive points. Dude, it's just such a gimmick. Gosh, everything Miami does is just so Miami. Like, I do have to say this too, like, uh, this we're getting a little off track with the turnover chain. It was cool when they debuted it, but they should have killed it after that one season. Yeah, it's lost. It's lost. Yeah, it, it, every every dog has his day. Everything has its end. They should have killed the turnover yes, chain. It's like now it's gimmicky, and it's going to be a sign of their demise. It's like Philip Rivers on the Colts, or like Hakeem Olajuwon on the Raptors. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want to see it. I want to remember the greats for how they were. The Spartans did not see the turnover chain yesterday. Thankfully, Peyton Thorne went for two sixty-one and four touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, 27 rushes for 172 yards. He did not score a touchdown. The Spartans won the turnover battle 4 to nothing. You know, they did give up 440 yards overall to the Canes, but it was kind of bend, don't break. But really, I mean, this is it's time to start dreaming with this MSU football team now. I mean, the 3-0 start. I mean, Miami, I mean, you know, most people foresee to win over Northwestern. Obviously, Youngstown State, but Miami was that snag where they're either going to win and and go on a path to nine wins or lose and maybe drop down to like a six, a six, seven win team. Trent, I mean, really, it's time to dream looking ahead at this MSU schedule. It's time to dream on this team. It is time to dream like sweet dreams, everybody. Look at this. We we always said Miami is going to be that first test. Sloan, you nailed it, because when you look at the schedule, realistically, I think the Spartans can start six and all. 7-0, 7-0, and, and then you've got Michigan week 8, you know? I, it, it's like, 
And, and given the way they've looked now, you know, that Miami, they, they rolled Northwestern, they roll Youngstown State, and they look good, and there's positives to take from it. But then playing a good team, I guess, at least we thought, in Miami, and really taking control of that game. Like, the Spartans have had control wire to wire pretty much in every game they've played. And it's like, now that kind of opens the door of opportunity because, yeah, you look at this guy, all these things come into play now. And I think that this team is on its well on its way to a bowl game. And uh, we can talk about that a little later. But, yes, it is time to dream. You're exactly right. You're the schedule guy. I am always the schedule guy, for better or for worse. Just looking ahead for Michigan State, too, obviously Nebraska, this upcoming Saturday at the Woodshed, then Western Kentucky, back-to-back night games at home. So on a realistic path to potentially 5-0. and And then October 9th, a little bit of a road test at Rutgers. Greg Schiano kind of has them back on track. But I don't think it's out of this world at all to say that this is going to be a 5-0 and football team and probably breaking into or close to the top 15 of the AP Top 25. I don't think that's out of bounds to say. I don't either, because you look at the way this team plays. They run the ball. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. K-9, baby. He looks fantastic. Peyton Thorne is also exceptional when he's able to just settle down a little bit. I think his decision-making yesterday wasn't great, but you know, when he's given time and the Spartans are able to establish the run, he's able to make those throws downfield. So I just think overall, in that defensive line, man, is just a terror for, for anyone on the other side. So I just think... Overall, given the way the Spartans play on both sides of the ball, like that, yeah, they can absolutely be a top 15 team here in a couple weeks. We have a Twitter poll up on our Twitter account, at GWReportWDBM. How does this win over Miami change your expectations for the rest of the season? A couple of options. Is, are the Spartans a 6-7 or seven win team, 7-8 to eight win team, 8-9 to nine win team, or 9-plus? Currently, the leading vote-getter is 8-9 to nine wins on the season. Trent, if you had to pick one of those options, where would you stand? I, I think that's a correct assessment. I think 8 or 9 is probably where I would go. Now, am I a little bit of a slappy and a little bit of an optimism kind of guy? Yeah, but uh, I, I just... Again, if you lose to Miami, then I think we're looking at six or seven wins. If you beat Miami in in convincing fashion the way they did, that kind of gives you a ton of confidence going forward. Because, again, I don't want to harp on this too much, but the only games, in my opinion, over the next you know four or five that I think you could realistically lose are Rutgers and, and Michigan, of course. So... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to look too far into the future because we know that football, you play the games for a reason, um, and we've seen that. But I just think, yeah, I think I think 8 or 9 is is attainable. 517-884-8989 is the phone number. You can text in with your thoughts at that number. Text us. You can also tweet the show with the hashtag GWReports. All of your thoughts. How does this reset the expectations for Michigan State football? The 3-0 and start to the year. Where do you see them going from here? Are they a ranked team after this week? I obviously think so. Is a 5-0 and start realistic? How do you see this team really making out in the long run? You can vote at that Twitter poll as well. But kind of diving into the nitty-gritty as well. You know, Peyton Thorne, Kenneth Walker III, obviously four touchdowns for Thorne. K-9, as we call him, 172 yards on the ground. Jay Johnson, we've really praised him for his play calling so far this year. I mean, I honestly think that this has the chance to be the best kind of dynamic duo since Connor Cook was paired with, you know, Jeremy Langford, LJ Scott, and some of those great running backs. Does that offense have this kind of ceiling? I think so. I mean, maybe that's hyperbole, but given what we've seen through three weeks, dude, K- K9, th- I think this offensive line needs a little bit of work, to be completely honest with you. I think there could be bigger holes, there could be more consistent 
more consistency on that in that facet. But I just think you know Kenneth Walker will turn something into nothing or nothing into something. I mean, it'll be he'll be stopped dead in in his boots, and then he gets falls forward for four yards. He's one of those hard runners. He's a bowling ball, and and you know we just talked about it. But Peyton Thorne, when he's able to just kind of settle down those throws to the middle of the field and the side, like there's really not a throw he can't make when he has time and confidence and a run game to fall back on. So that's, that's in my opinion, yes, I think this offense does. And given the way that Jay Johnson has been calling uh, these games, I, I just, yeah, sky's the limit. It's still early, too. We don't know. The, all the potential hasn't been unlocked. You know, talking about Johnson a little bit, you know, last year I know that some of Spartan Nation wasn't necessarily completely happy with his play calling, once again, he had Rocky Lombardi at quarterback who started for Northern Illinois with Henry in attendance yesterday at the big house. So I don't know how much I want to judge Johnson on year one. Right. But the thing I really like, and we discussed this a little bit before the show, 27 attempts for Kenneth Walker III. You know, 20, or they had 41 runs to 31 passes on the night. But when they establish that run... They stick with it, and they do not waver. And I'm just a big fan of that. Like, I know down the road in Ann Arbor, there are some people kind of getting a little upset. You know, they ran the ball so much over Washington, and, oh, you know, we want to throw the ball a little bit more. But I am a key proponent of when you can run the ball and establish it, you stick with it. And that's what Johnson's done, and that's what he did with Walker. Yeah, Walker's your driving force. And then, you know, people forget. I mean, the Spartan faithful don't forget, but I think the national media doesn't realize how good Jalen Naylor and Jaden Redar. I mean, those guys, like, just when, when you're able to keep the defense honest and run the ball and suck them in a little bit, and then you can take shots downfield and you got two guys. His name is Speedy Naylor. I mean, what, that, that's what you're working with. And I think that's kind of when you can take the top off the offense and just kind of let it boom. I mean, think about the chess pieces that this offense all of a sudden, sudden has. You mentioned Naylor. You mentioned Reed. Trey Mosley, he had a couple of grabs in Miami. He had yeah, a couple grabs, a few yards. Connor Hayward is all of a sudden revitalized as a tight end. You can mix in Jordan Simmons. When Elijah Collins is back, you can mix him in. Harold Joyner is kind of a guy you can potentially move all over the field when he's healthy. Tyler Hunt caught a couple balls yesterday at tight end. I mean, with Peyton Thorne kind of acting as the distributor and the game manager, minimizing mistakes, he's got nine touchdowns this year, no picks. I think that this offense, really the ceiling is as high as it's been since 2015, 2016, the college football playoff year. I mean, yeah, you can't argue with that at all. And I just, and again, I want to bring this back to Mel Tucker. I just think that it's it's such a testament to him. These transfers and, and, and his guys are finally starting to get in here and, and get cooking. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I'm glad that you brought up Tyler Hunt because that dude can be a weapon in, in like short yardage situations. He is a monster. What are his measurements? Do we have them? Can I pull those up real quick? Yeah, you can, you can pull the Tyler Hunt measurements up, but he... Last year was really fascinating what Tucker did with him because obviously he was a place kicker. And then all of a sudden they start playing him at tight end last year because obviously Matt Coglin is this team's place kicker. And then all of a sudden he starts catching more balls. He has one of state's two rushing touchdowns last year. Tyler Hunt. Yeah. That's our guy. He's he's a he's a dense man. He's six those three, measurables. Six three and two forty. Yeah, that'll hold up. That'll hold up over a big ten season. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hit on another point too, Trent. Talking about Mel Tucker, really in year one, I mean, this is really year one, in my opinion, for Mel Tucker. I mean, you know, we have week zero in college football now. Let's give Mel Tucker a year zero. He inherited the job in February. 
lost out on an entire recruiting cycle. A pandemic happened. The season got delayed. Yeah, it, I mean, there was a season, then there wasn't yeah, a season. And you got Scotty Hazelton on the broadcast saying that he's a, he's teaching some defensive schemes and some techniques to these guys for the first time in his second year. Tucker, in, obviously, three and zero start to year two. This is going to be a ranked football team, but. I don't think we can heap enough praise on him for the job he's done so far. This is still not his team. Obviously, he brought in a bunch of transfers. He had a, a great recruiting class last year. Some of those freshmen are already paying dividends. Charles Brantley is one of them who played a lot yesterday before he got ejected. But really with Tucker, you know, Tuck coming is what everyone wants to say. But really, Tuck is here. Tuck is here now. Yeah, I think I think now that the, the Spartans are 3-0, I think it's able to say that, that, that Tuck is here. He's that's arrived. A, that's a good. We should get that on t-shirts, Sloan. That's yeah. pretty good. That's rock solid. They, they printed the Tuck Cummins t-shirts, but it might have been a little bit premature. Yeah, but maybe he already, maybe he already arrived. I don't know. It, we're not talking about the Lions yet, uh, but it's similar to how I feel about Dan Campbell. Yeah. You got to give the guy one year to at least sort of get acclimated, get his guys to trust him, get his own guys in the door for crying out loud. The situation not he yes. inherited, it, terrible. The staff, everything, and 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 you mentioned Sloan, the pandemic. I mean, I, I don't want to harp on that because it, it's been a thing for all sports and everyone's been at the same disadvantage, essentially, but it's just you, you have to cut a guy some slack, and especially when you look at the whole context. That's what makes it even more impressive to me so far. I mean, this team, I'm assuming they're going to win six games. I don't think that's a hot take. So for him to completely flip this program over and get them to a bowl game in year two um, or year one, if we're going to call last year year zero, year zero um, I, I just I, I am wildly impressed. I can't say enough about him. That's the crazy thing. I think the the lofty goal initially was just a bowl game, yeah. but the expectations have been reset so far to where a bowl game is you know a mediocre bowl game might not be enough for this team anymore. It's time to crank those expectations up. You know, one more quick one before we hit a break here, and then we have a special guest joining us. You know, the defense did get, did give up 440 yards, 388 yards through the air. They did generate four turnovers. This is kind of a bend don't bend don't break defense under Hazelton, but he's got a track record. There's a lot of depth on this defense. I'm not really worried because this team's playing complimentary football and they had those four turnovers. Yeah, the defense, this is something I really want to hit on after the break when we get our guests in here, but it it's I think it's I think it's gonna work. Um it's frustrating at times. You know, they they, they don't like to press very much in the secondary. They kind of just play off and they let that defensive line go to work. And yesterday, that was really the key to the win, I thought. Like you said, Sloan, it was Ben, don't break. If you look at the stat sheet, yeah, Miami kind of had a monster day on offense. They didn't put points on the board because the defense was able to force turnovers and get to the quarterback. And that was that was just really the story of the game, in my opinion. 517-884-8989 is the phone number. Text us in with your thoughts. How does this win over Miami down in Florida change your expectations for Michigan State? Is this now an 8 or 9 win team, a 6 or 7 win team? You can also tweet us using the hashtag GWReport on Twitter. On the other side of the break, more Michigan State football as we react to the big win yesterday. Michigan State football beat reporter Liam Jackson will be joining us live in studio. This is the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Trent, I know we were listening to that break, and couch burnings could be more frequent this year with this MSU football team. Yeah, and look, not I don't advocating wanna, for them. Not advocating. I'm for not them. advocating for them either. I'm not. I'm not giving any calls to action. I am just simply saying, we will do what we must, and that is all I will say. Yeah, we're, we're not advocating. 
Nope. We're just saying what happens, happens. I would never, ever, ever tell you to go do something that this commercial specifically told you not to do. Mi- However... Exactly. Our own station is going against what we may or may not think in our own heads. But nevertheless, <laughs> just a quick one here before we bring in our special guest, Liam Jackson. So Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed, we know that they played together in high school. Yeah. Is Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed playing together in high school becoming the new... Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford played together in high school. How many Dude, times did we us, hear it on the broadcast For us yesterday? locally, absolutely. I mean, everyone here in Michigan, you're going to hear it all season long. Every, I mean, every because every broadcast crew is going to want to get it in yep. and just let people know. ESPN, CBS, et cetera, oh, et cetera. Yeah. We are pleased to be joined, though, by Michigan State football beat reporter for WDBM, Liam Jackson. Liam, covering the team all year for Impact89FM.org. Liam What's your take on the Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed topic? I mean, I we're going to see at least one or two graphics and a couple mentions in the broadcast every time they hook up for a touchdown pretty much the rest of the year. Yeah, um, great to be here, guys. Um, Thank you, sir. Yeah, good morning, Thank you. Liam. Yes, good, good morning. morning. Thanks for showing Big up. Good morning. Man. Yeah, um, I do think that chemistry is a real uh, factor and that it's not something you can just, um, it's not something you just have, like, it's built over time and. It, they it, they are going to wear it out like the Kershaw um, Stafford thing, but I do think it is it is a real factor, and they they, they there is something special between them. Like um, like you guys were talking about the 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 um, like him and Naylor on the outside are they're just absolute weapons, and you can tell that um, Thorn and Thorn and Reed together are just they're a step ahead of everyone, and he you know like they know exactly what's going on the entire time, and yeah, it's a, they're a lot of fun to watch, and I'm excited for uh, I, I'm excited to to get annoyed from hearing yeah, that. yeah. decided to get yeah. annoyed it's i not, like that it's not the worst thing to be annoyed after this i mean last year no. they really couldn't put that graphic up there because peyton thorne got what it's one start against yeah. penn state and you know came in as a you know out of the bullpen for a couple other games but liam i want to ask you the same question that we were rapping about a little bit in the first segment now that this msu team is three and oh headed for the ap top 25 poll probably off you know looking closer to a five and oh start with a couple of lesser opponents coming up how do you reset those expectations, and what do you think the ceiling is for the Spartan team following yesterday's win? Just listening to Mel Tucker in his press conferences and in all his uh, media appearances, like he, I don't think that personally he, I don't think he, I think he expected this, and I don't think his um, outlook on the season is going to change. I think he attacks every single day the same way. But for fans and everyone else, like I think, I think that this could be a seven-eight win football team, and I think if they don't, I think they could be disappointing. Um, just based on the talent they had and the way they played so far, and going in, down to Miami, they're not, I mean, they're not gonna be ranked anymore, but that is still a talented football team on the road at noon, and um, it was a very impressive win. And I think that they're seven, eight wins easy. Yeah, you talk about how the ceiling has kind of risen like like a rocket, like it's just gone way up. Expectations have risen to now where you know if this team doesn't win six or seven or eight games, that might be disappointing given what you've seen through the first three weeks. But um, you know, uh, uh, the, this team's identity, Liam, to me, you could argue it's maybe like in the trenches, defense, offense. I think it's just running the ball. And I, I want to ask you specifically on the offensive side of the ball, which which player has impressed you the most? I mean, obviously there's Kenneth Walker, but, you know, can, can you enlighten us on the outside as well? Yeah, uh, Jaden Reed has really, really impressed me. And I, I it wasn't, it didn't come out of, not out of nowhere, but just his speed, his route running, like just he's a, the total package um, as a receiver. And then I I think a lot of people thought that Jalen Naylor is going to be the number one receiver coming in. I think Reed's taking that spot. And Naylor as a number two is just an incredible compliment. And um, and that's no slight on him. He's a great player too, obviously. He's, uh, 
he's a big play guy. He's obviously called him speedy. So I think Jaden Reed has impressed me the most, just emerging as that that top guy in the receiving core. And that's a deep that's a deep room too. They have a lot of a lot of depth. You know, Liam, another guy we talked about in the first segment, Charles Brantley. A little bit of a homecoming game yesterday going back to South Florida. Came in off the bench yesterday, had a couple tackles. He did get ejected from the game for targeting, but he really started balling out when he was in the game and was given a chance. You know, it's kind of been a rotating cast back there. Kalen Gervin has kind of been that cornerback number one, but we've seen Chester Kimbrough, Ronald Williams, Brantley, and a lot of other guys kind of rotate. What do you think about those corners back there? Is it still going to be a rotating crew, and is Brantley somebody who can kind of step up and, and make it up, make himself a part of that rotation even as a true freshman? Yeah, no, I think Brantley is, um, you can kind of see it. He's a, he's a playmaker. Like, there's a, their corners are deep, they're solid. They're all, they all do what they need to do, but you see Brantley flies around out there, and um, even though he got thrown out yesterday, he was he was making plays and um, a lot of flashes he's shown. So I think that moving forward, I think that he has a, the potential to be the 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 lead corner. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball, um, Liam, I kind of talked about you know before the break how this defense is kind of bend don't break as Sloan likes to say. They kind of play off a little bit. It's almost like a I, I was getting frustrated yesterday because it's almost like a free eight yards if Miami wanted it. Um, Those underneath routes. Underneath routes and just... Rambo, that Harley. They had like 20 of them. Hey, but giving Ronald Williams credit... He jumped one of those last ones for he that did. interception at the end of the game. That was pretty impressive. That was a beautiful read. But um, I, I guess just overall, man, do you think this scheme, that that formula can work? Because I think it's really, your strength is up front, and you just wreak havoc on the quarterback and force a couple turnovers, and, and, and Ben don't break. Do you think that will work in the Big Ten? I think growing up as a Michigan State fan, watching this team for so many years, I feel like they've played this style of defense a lot, and it's worked. They've had some of the better defenses in the country a couple of years with D'Antonio, and I don't, I don't think this is a defense at that level, but I think they are they know what their strengths are. Like you said, they played to them. Their defensive line is solid. They get to the quarterback. Xavier Henderson just is a one of the best uh, defensive backs in the entire country, and you can play him anywhere. It's kind of a Swiss Army knife, but yeah, if like you said, like Miami wanted to get six, seven yards every single play, they could get it, but they weren't, like, they made, uh, they were opportunistic. They made a lot of big plays, and when they got, when the field shortened up, they, they, the defense tightened up as well, and, and if it, when they need to press in the red zone, like they they get after it and they they uh they limited points. So, Liam, kind of turning it over to the other side of the ball quickly. <clears throat> excuse me, once again, allergies. Thank you, cozy chamomile. Yeah, I'm during the break. I may or may not go make myself a cup of tea. I have my tea bag here, Liam. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> a lot has been made about this offensive line. You know, the past couple years, last couple years under Mark D'Antonio, dramatically underwhelming. A lot was made about, hey, they aren't as you know bigger players. You know, maybe Ken Manny has a factor in there in strength and conditioning. But Jarrett Horst comes in, transfers in to play left tackle. You know, someone like AJR Curry flips to the right side. You still have a veteran in Matt Allen at center. You know, Kevin Jarvis at guard, another veteran. A lot has been made about this group the last couple years. And even though you know, to Trent's point in the first segment, I think they still have some growing to do. You, you got to be impressed so far with that unit through three games. Oh, absolutely. Cap, uh, Cap, Coach Cap has been just a godsend to this team. And it was a big hire coming in. People were excited about it. And I think he's surpassed expectations. And if you give a back like Kenneth Walker just a little bit of room, he's going to make something happen. And that's what they've done. They've done um, they've done exactly what they needed to do. And Kenneth Walker and the rest of the offense has taken advantage of it. Peyton Thorne, really, I, he has not been psyched very often either. I mean, yesterday he got No, yeah. He, in the beginning, the, uh, Miami kind of came after him at second, but he really the offensive line he really settled in. So he's had a lot of time back there, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a just the entire team. But I think 
honestly, in my opinion, I think the offensive line has been the most important and the most uh, impressive thing about the season so far. Yeah, you talk about getting the ball out quick. I think that's really helping Thorne a lot as well. But, Liam, my last question for you is just I want to talk about Mel Tucker for a second because this dude, I mean, Sloan and I talked about it. The expectations last season weren't very high. You know, he comes in, he gets another year to get his guys in here, these transfers. I mean, hell, Kenneth Walker's a transfer. So, you know, you kind of get your own guys in here, and now you start to see the ball rolling. Um, I guess my question for you is how impressed have you been with Mel Tucker? And furthermore, do you think he could possibly win like the AP Coach of the Year award or something like that, given given all that this team has gone through? I think it's not out of the question. I mean, why not? Yeah. I know, like like you said, it's early, but they were playing like they were going to be ranked and they deserve to be ranked. And um, I think Stearns was telling me, Nathan was talking, we were talking um, a couple of days ago. If you look at like the the transfers out and the transfers in, like at, at MSU had a most of their transfers were going to a group of five schools, smaller schools, and the transfers they're getting in were from power five schools. Like like you said, Kenneth Walker from the ACC, Quarius Crouch been a huge and for the linebackers from Tennessee. Like so, this the the talent pool has gone up, and that that's what Mel came in to do, and and he's done it. He's done exactly what uh, people expected him to do. So I yeah, I, why not? Why can't he win Coach of the Year at this point? Relentless. Relentless. He looks great in shorts, by the way. You know, he kept he can doing. Rock anything, though. I know this is radio and you can't see this, but yesterday that when they panned over to him on the sideline, he kept putting one hand flat and like chopping the other hand yep. on top. And I think somebody asked him about that, and he said, "Oh, that's keep chopping." Like I love that. We just got to keep chopping. I'm like, "There's another shirt." See, I took it as like guillotine. Go for the jugular. That's I love that. Don't say don't say it's dagger time because no. that didn't work out so oh well the last God. time we tried that, Liam. You know, kind of looking big picture, obviously Michigan State was a two-win football team last year. Michigan was dreadful as well. But, hey, both teams are off to 3-0 and starts this season. Is college football kind of back in this state? And how how excited are you to see that both these teams are kind of headed on a collision course to each other Halloween weekend? I mean, it's as back as it has been since 2015, I think, 2016. Yeah. So, and both teams are, there's a lot of similarities. Like, uh, Thorne and McNamara, they're both not, they're both, they're game managers are horrible. I hate saying that, but um, they're both not. They're not the, like they're not going to go out there and win you any games. But they like Thorne has been great. He's not going to lose you any games at all. He's going to do his job. McNamara's the same way. And Michigan has been running, running the ball like just as good, if not better, than MSU. So they're they're similar football teams. Um, both coming to the year unranked, which is um, that's going to change obviously next week. And they're on a collision course to play as a ranked game Halloween weekend. Hopefully, a COVID bearing. Um, a packed Spartan Stadium, so game yeah. day, college yeah. game day, better be here for that. I God, I hope if both teams are a, undefeated going into that game or something like that. Yeah, if they're both undefeated, I think they'll be here, and that's going to be really, really exciting for this team in this program. Last question: Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that the Spartans will be undefeated heading into that matchup with the Wolverines? Um, yeah, I actually do. I, yes. I, the way okay. I, yesterday was yesterday was very, very telling. I think of the way the season's going to go because a Northwestern team, uh, week one. That is a tough game, but they lost a lot this year and or coming into this year. Youngstown State, obviously an FCS opponent. This was a real game. This was a real team, and they they were the better team the entire day. It was not a fluke. So, Liam Jackson and the rest of our football reporters will be joining us on a weekly basis Sunday mornings to break down every MSU football game. Liam, thanks for coming in this morning. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thank Liam. You. On the other side of the break, Henry Menegos will join us for a college football rush. This is the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Trent, 
I think one of the most ridiculous college football stories over the weekend, and I don't know how much you followed this, but it was Purdue's outrage over yes, the not drum. having the world's biggest drum, allegedly, at Notre Dame Stadium because, you know, for the first time since 1979, because it couldn't fit through the stadium tunnel. Purdue lost, so I guess it wasn't... I may, Maybe they're going to blame that on the world's biggest drum not being there. I had a little bit of a different spin on it. I really? thought it seemed like Are you a ju- Notre Dame issue. Oh, so you're not... See, I, I think it's outrageous of Purdue to flip out so much, but yeah. you, but I they did say that Notre Dame did not allow them to use their main entrance, which Correct. is a little bit petty. And that, that's what I mean. The the drum could have gotten in there. There is no arena in this country that the drum can't get in at least one gate, one yeah, door. They've been whatever. doing it since 1979. Exactly. And that's why I, I'm, I'm pro Big Ten on this one. Notre Dame, figure it out. Don't be so pretentious all the time. We get it, dude. We get it. You have gold helmets, touchdown Jesus, I understand. But, you know, other teams got their thing too. You know, stop being so ridiculous, so it, snooty. Is it actually the world's biggest drum? Can I don't we really confirm know. that. I, I, it's, it's actually probably not. We might have to get the research department on that. It's probably just I don't the know. name. Yeah, but Purdue Pete, their mascot, creepy. Yeah, I, I'm not a big not, fan. He's got like the plastic head. Dude, not I'm, I'm cool. going to, I'm telling you, Sparty is, and this is unbiased. Sparty is objectively the only human mascot that I think looks good. If, if like if you've got a mascot like a a big man in a suit, it's got to be an animal or like a monster or something like that. Because the yeah. humans freak me out; they're just emotionless and Purdue Pete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world's largest drum is in South Korea. Oh my okay. goodness! So it's breaking not even news. Not even in Lafayette. We need the we need the breaking news sounder. I don't think we have one, but if there is breaking news. Purdue fraudulent, world's biggest Trump actually in South Korea. So none of this South matters. Korea, was it South Korea? Yeah, South Korea. Yes. I don't want to try and pronounce the government's name because I'm just going to butcher it. So no, that's <laughs> South Korea. <laughs> we are pleased to be joined, though, by Henry Menegos behind the glass for a college football rush after a big Saturday in college football. First question, we're just going to jump right in. Is that what we're doing? Yes, yeah. sir. Let's get after let's it. Let's do it. All right. First Let it question. After wins over Wisconsin on the road in Auburn last night, is Penn State all of a sudden the favorite to win the Big Ten East? I'll tell you one thing. I don't know about the favorites, but that Penn State-Ohio State game is going to be much anticipated. The whiteout last night was just awesome at Penn State. That That's like going to be my favorite game of the entire season, I think. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun game to watch. Kind of exciting towards the end. Um even though it was, you know, it, it was like not in doubt, but it was at the same time. But whatever. Yeah. I think Penn State has done the most to this point to be, I guess, considered the favorite. But like you said, Sloan, it, it, it's going to be hard to, you know, you obviously got the Buckeyes over there. But I, I don't know. Why not? I'm a Franklin guy. I like. Do you like Franklin? Hey, more on Franklin to come later in this college football rush because you know his status might not necessarily be. You you want to talk about stuff being in jeopardy? His his job status might be in jeopardy, but yeah, I'm not ready to like crown Penn State the Big Ten East champion. They have done it before under James Franklin, but you know there are a lot of teams in the mix: Michigan, Michigan State, un, both undefeated. Ohio State, they're not going to go anywhere. So I, I I think that they're in the mix. I'm not going to crown them the champs, though. I will say I think they've proven the most, but I don't know if I can call them the champs either. You're exactly right. Clemson lost to Georgia during the opening week and struggled to beat Georgia Tech last night. Is there a reason for concern for the Tigers? Yes. A million percent. What do you think? I think so, 100%. DJ Uyunglele. Nice. I I don't know. It was pretty close. Yeah, DJ Uyunglele. 
lay. But isn't there two lays? There is two lays. I'm concerned about him, though. 14 to 8 yesterday over Georgia Tech. 14 to 8. There's definitely reason to be concerned in, in Death Valley. Well, dude, they just haven't put up points. I mean, even against Georgia, what was the final score of that game? Like, was it 7 to 3? With 10 to 7, 10, 10, 10 to 3, seven. whatever Something it was, ridiculous. Dude, this offense isn't able to move the ball like it was under Trevor Lawrence. And obviously, you could say, you know, 10 figures. to 3. But I, yeah, I, I think there's obviously reason for concern. I don't know how you can say there's not. This you is know, a team that maybe had too lofty of expectations, and maybe you can put some of that on just Lawrence's departure and everything. But, you know, it's still Clemson. You're still expected to win your conference, and I, I think they will and everything. But it's just, yeah. There's cause for concern, of course. You know, obviously with them playing in the ACC, there's a lot of built-in wins there. But when rubber hits the road, when they're playing in a conference championship game, when they're playing in a, you know, maybe a college football playoff, I think that there's definitely room for concern. You got to score points. If there's anything we've seen, you know, watching Auburn or watching, you know, Florida and Alabama yesterday, you got to score points, especially in the SEC. Yeah, you're not going to beat Alabama ten to seven if you get to yeah. the playoff or something like that. That ain't happening. Next question, number four, Oregon, still undefeated and has the big win over Ohio State in its back pocket. How realistic are the Ducks' chances at the college football playoff? I think that they are extremely high chances. It seems like every year the college football playoff committee tries to get Oregon in the playoff. I mean, realistically, they've been only they've been the only Pac-12 team with a chance the last five years. They made it in what the inaugural yes. college football playoff. 2015. Cardale Jones, shout out. I'm not here to play yeah, school. Great line. Yeah. But I think that their chances are very realistic. They're going to carve up the Pac-12. They have an unbelievable resume win already in their back pocket with the win over Ohio State. They embarrassed Stony Brook yesterday. They're 3-0 and on this season. They're number four in the country. And they, you know, the college football playoff community, they're going to want to get that West Coast market in the mix. They want to get Oregon in every year. Nike, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to do everything they can. It's all in Oregon's hands. They went out. They won a championship easily. Yeah, or- Oregon's the marketing metropolis. We all know that. 100%. But I, I just think, Sloan, you hit the nail on the head. I think Oregon's, you know, the, the, the detriment over the years has just been the Pac-12. They haven't seen enough from them in the Pac-12. But yeah, I mean, given the fact that they've beaten Ohio State already and now they're going to roll through the Pac-12, assuming, I think, yeah, I think they got maybe top three odds to make the playoff. I'd like to see those uniforms when they make the playoff. Oh, dude, when they make it back, when they finally make it back. A lot of people gave them heat for the all-white uniforms at Ohio State. I thought they were electric. Yeah, they're fine. Oregon always does it right, man. Yep. I'm not I'm not the flashiest guy, but I, I, I can appreciate what they're doing. I agree. Next question. USC, <laughs> Thank you, Mark. USC is a head coach opening. Will the Big Ten's P.J. Fleck or James Franklin make the move over to the left coast? Clay Helton, out, finally. If they, if they fired him one year earlier, they could have got Urban Meyer yeah. in, at USC. You know what, though? I was talking about this throughout yesterday's Penn State game. It always seems like James Franklin has his name connected to prominent head coaching openings every offseason. His answer, which was very, very strange when the media asked him about his future at Penn State, he was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going to talk to the team and... You know, this kind of stuff happens. Very shady. James Very shady. Franklin, I don't, I don't want this to be some kind of hot take. I think James Franklin, I think he's going to bolt. I think he's going to bolt to USC. I think Penn State is a better job, but I think that James Franklin is kind of a renaissance man, and I think he's going to leave. I think Penn State is a better job because of what he has sort of built since Paterno left, obviously, for other reasons. But 
Um, you know, it, obviously, I just I could see him going too. What do you think of the Eric Bieniemy situation, though? I want to get your thoughts you know on what? that. I don't want Eric Bieniemy to go to USC I because I want him to get an NFL head coaching job. Like a lot of people, his name was rumored for the Colorado job when Mel Tucker came to Michigan State. I think Eric Bieniemy going to the college game would be selling Settle, him short. He's, he's settling almost. He should have gotten like the Texans job. He was in the mix for like the Lions. He. He deserves an NFL head coaching job, and I don't think he should settle for less. I, 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 that's where I stand. I agree. Next question. After a 3 0 start to the season, have our expectations dramatically changed for the Michigan Wolverines? No. Yeah, I <laughs> haven't I, beaten anybody. I think that they have ticked up maybe slightly for one reason. For one reason. Now, I agree with Trent. They have not beaten anybody yet. Bad Washington team couple of by games, you know, against Northern Illinois, and I'm blanking on week one, Western. Yeah, Western Michigan. But their defensive scheme, I think, has the potential to be better this year. A lot was made about Don Brown putting his corners on islands. The I Don like, Brown defense. Uh, Mel Tucker put, talk about Mel Tucker putting a bullet in people. Don Brown, out yep. after yep. that Michigan-Michigan State game. You know, I think that their defense has the chance to be better in big games just because they're more multiple they are kind of a 4-2-5 base like Michigan State with an extra defensive back. You know, they'll stand up some ends. Aiden Hutchinson is kind of a stand-up end outside linebacker, edge rusher. I think that role is better for him. I think my expectations have ticked up slightly just from what we've seen so far. But Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin on the road in two weeks, Ohio State, when the big games come, we'll know then if this Michigan State, if this Michigan team is truly back. Too early to say. So Sloan, there are many reasons I love doing this show with you. One of I them, appreciate that. one of them is that you are such an X's and O's guy. You're an analytical guy, and I'm always like, just kind of like off on my own island doing whatever. I'll tell you right now, the big problem I have with Michigan right now is the fact that the conversation that we were having about Michigan State through two games is the conversation we're still having about Michigan through three. You're because spot on. Michigan Give State, this man a bell. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Give this but, man a bell. I wish, we had, I wish we had a sounder. A bell. I'll take a bell. Oh, you want like a like a like a like a, yes. Oh, I'm yes. Sorry. Give him. A, this you were man, talking to me. Okay, the, not <laughs> air horn. This man deserves appreciation for that take. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your appreciation. But my thing is just that. Yeah, I I don't know if I can say that my expectations have changed because I think last year's Michigan team would be three and zero with this schedule. So I can't necessarily. And and I think even a Wolverines fan would tell you that they would rather be 3-0 and with wins over Northwestern, who is a Big Ten team. Granted, we're not sure how good they are this year. And Miami, which is an AP Top 25 win, although they were overrated. But it's just like you would rather be 3-0 and with those wins under your belt than 3-0 and against cupcakes. I think and that, you, that's all I got. You nailed it, Trent. You know, that prove-it game for Michigan State was Miami. That prove-it game for Michigan is in a couple of weeks against Wisconsin on the road. You know they're going to have the opportunity. I just don't know how I, many how many tune up games do you need. Yeah, I mean, when if Michigan proves that they can win these big games, I'll be the first one to accept that that's a step forward. But once again, we got to bump it back a couple weeks. We'll check in later. Next question: Do you have a sleeper team in college football after three weeks? You know what? I am a big Ole Miss guy. Big Ole Miss guy. Matt Coral. Sleeper for the Heisman under center, kind of Johnny Manziel like. I know he wears the same number, number two. He's shifty. He's got a decent arm for kind of a smaller guy. Lane Kiffin, just an electric head coach. Ole Miss. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to the college football playoff, but I. They're you know they cracked the top twenty five. I think they're. I think the 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 the. the, the 
Ole Miss is going to make some waves. Man, oh man. Eli Manning, the ghost of Eli Manning is in here right now. He is. The, the, the Rebels, man. Um, I don't have, look, I should have prepped better for this segment because I don't really have a team. Can I say the Spartans? Yes. Can I that say that? That is acceptable. Because I think, I think, especially after yesterday's win, I think you're going to see Michigan State get some more national love for the rest of the week. And I, I honestly, that's not me being a homer. I honestly believe yeah. that. I think given what they've shown against you know a conference opponent, and in Miami, and we've talked at length. That's all we've talked about so far on this show. So I won't get into it. But I really think the Spartans qualify as a sleeper. So why not? I like it. Next question. After edging out Florida on Saturday, is it still Alabama and the world, and the world for the national championship? Yes, 100%. it has to be. Uh, look, it, the the thing with Alabama is like until they prove, until they show you otherwise, they just have to be favored in in every. Every conversation, every situation, every ranking, every metric, it's just, yeah, they're the best team. And and that was a very hard-fought game. Give the Gators props. But, dude, it's just like Alabama, Just it, sometimes it feels like they're just taking their foot off the gas. That's a hell of a win, too, at Florida. Yes. It's going to be Florida and Georgia vying for that SEC East crown to play Alabama, the SEC West champion. That's a big-time win in the swamp. Huge. You don't go down to the swamp and just win games, you know, relatively handily. I know it got a little bit close there at the end. Bryce Young, he's checked every box as a true freshman quarterback. The defense looks as scary as ever. Alabama in the world, I'll t- if I had to if I had to pick right now Alabama in the field, especially with how Clemson is faltering, I'm not really in on Georgia and JT Daniels, Oregon, Oklahoma. I, I if I had to pick, I'd you know, I'd pick Easily, Bama. I love to pick the field whenever it's like the field or one team. But yeah, I mean, Alabama just looks far and away like the best team in the country. And Sloan, last thing, I think that we too often become numb to the greatness of Alabama and and Nick Saban. And look, I hate that team just as much as the next guy. But I'm just telling, this is just how it is, man. It's okay to only eke out a win in the conference against a very good team. So you know, you don't have to beat everyone by fourteen or or, or forty a million percent. Yeah, it, especially week three. Yes, and on this the road, team like right you now said. is nowhere close to where it's going to be in week nine. Especially with freshman quarterback, new offensive coordinator, lots of turnover. Big win for week three, huge win. So, so yeah, give the give give the tide some props. I think they're the best team in the country. We're still rapping a little bit about Michigan State at the phone number 517-884-8989. You can text us in with your thoughts on how this win for Michigan State over Miami changes the expectations this season for the Spartans. You can tweet us as well using the hashtag GWReport. How does this win cha- How does this win move the chains up? How does it advance this team in your mind? And what are your predictions for the rest of the year? We're going to be talking about a different kind of football, though, in the next segment. That'd be soccer. Adam Baker, friend of the program, he'll be joining us next for MSU Soccer and more here on the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Adam Baker, our soccer expert, will be joining us at the top of the hour. I don't want to give away too much because, you know, they talk about the old live radio tease, but... Trent may be gaining a new favorite team today. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's possible. Good tease. Very. very, I'll give myself some credit. So before before Baker comes on here in about 15 minutes at the top of the hour at noon, Trent Valley, Luke Sloan, taking you till 1 o'clock here on the Green and White Report, I wanted to get into some Lions ahead of tomorrow's Monday Night Football 
or Monday Night Football game against Green Bay. And I want to get into some comments. Obviously, during the loss to the San Francisco 49ers, a lot was made about defensive backs coach Aubrey Pleasant's interaction with Jeff Okuda early in the game. It was a run play. He wasn't happy about Okuda didn't come up and run support when they ripped off a, a big run. Was it for a touchdown? I can't I, remember. I don't know. It was a big. It was a big run. But Steve Smith had a lot to say about the culture of the Detroit Lions and that interaction with Aubrey Pleasant. Pleasant, looking at some quotes from that incident. This is a quote from Steve Smith directly. Quote. I think it kind of goes to something that we need to address, Smith said. This is about the Okuda and Aubrey Pleasant interaction. The DB coach or the pass coordinator for the Detroit Lions, now he was dog cussing that third overall pick for the Detroit Lions. I thought that was interesting. We can say what we want and handle Justin Fields with delicate hands, but we're going to cuss out the DB. So that's his quote about Pleasant. And then he had another quote as well about Detroit and the culture that Dan Campbell is building so far. It quotes, We need to stop upping our standards for players and lowering standards for coaches. We need to have them on the same playing field. We need to start revoking some of those dumb bleep coaches opportunities because that bleep show they got in Detroit, it's a train wreck waiting to happen. And I'm sitting there and I've got my popcorn waiting for it. Steve Smith, you deserve a buzzer. I have so many issues with Steve Smith. And and let me let me and, and it's not Steve. I'm going to zoom out here, Sloan. Can I zoom out? Can 100%. I can I talk about this in a macro macro sense? A million here? percent, big picture. I the Detroit Lions are so blatantly disrespected by the national media. You could argue it's warranted. You could argue it's justified. But it, dude, whether it's stuff like this where they're just completely ripping us a new one for, for the culture, or they're talking about Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders and Matthew Stafford. They're constantly just ripping on that, and those guys left, and the, everything here is a train wreck. That ain't the case, in my opinion, because the national media doesn't watch the team. No, not And it's at all. never been more. It's, it's so painfully obvious every time one of these talking heads gets on the air and starts talking about the Lions or, you know, Nick Wright. I'm a huge Nick Wright fan, right? Yes. And he's he'll he'll start talking about how Stafford has you know a good amount of the blame for for the Lions' uh, you know lack of success over the past eight years and and I'm thinking dude you don't watch the team then you just don't the defense is horrible the coaching is always subpar and to that point I want to roll into the Campbell thing we just endured three years of a rocket scientist who would come in here and read off a pamphlet yeah the pencil so, in his yes. ear. And even though you can't write on laminated sheets with a pencil. So national media, find a different angle. That's all. And I, and I have to admit, I borrowed that take from Ryan Rabinowitz, my good friend. Find a different angle. Just just f- figure it out. Because I would rather have no publicity than this publicity of just constantly harping on how bad the Lions culture is, Sloan. It, how, it makes me sick. It may, The thing that makes me kind of scratch my head and just wonder... It, the Lions are such an easy target for the national media. I mean, obviously, punching bag. The team is down right now. Like you said, we just endured a rocket scientist and his friend Bob Quinn running the team into the ground. We talked about how Dan Campbell. This is really year zero for him because he's inherited a terrible situation. But Steve Smith, especially to criticize Dan Campbell's culture after one after game. after one game. Are you kidding? I mean, where the team was losing by. I don't know, 30 and fought back and had a realistic chance to tie it up at the end. Go ahead. I mean, I'll read this again. 
He said it's a bleep show they got in Detroit. I don't. I don't. I could play the rhyming game. Dit a dit show. <laughs> it's a dit show that they got there in Detroit. It's a train wreck waiting to happen, and I'm sitting there. I got my popcorn waiting for it. Okay, okay. So if you wanted to say this week eleven last year when Matt Patricia was yeah. just. His seat was just smoldering hot. He was just sitting on top of the fire, and his players constantly came out and said, he's a jerk, he's a jerk, he's a dirtbag. Sure, you can pile that take on then, but like you said, do they know what's going on? Do they watch the games? Do they know that Dan Campbell is in year zero, like we said? He's inherited an impossible situation. The worst defense of all time. He's in, yeah, he's inherited the worst defense in the NFL and a roster that Brad Holmes is going to completely strip down and rebuild. He lost the best quarterback in franchise history in Matthew Stafford. Does he realize? I mean, obviously he doesn't watch the games. Because if he did, this take wouldn't be, oh, it's a bleep show. Oh, you know, I, I got my popcorn waiting for it to yeah, happen. Steve Smith, as a player, you would love this staff. There yeah. has not been a single bad comment about Dan Campbell or any of his staff, or Brad Holmes, or even Sheila Hamp. There has not been a single negative comment throughout this whole regime change. And that is why I just, I'm just i so tired of the tired act of the Lions culture sucks. We're trying to change it. We're working on it. Give the man more than one game, like you said, Sloan. Yep. Makes me sick. You know, and, and bringing it back to the, <clears throat> I apologize, bringing it back to the Aubrey Pleasant thing as well, you know, Talk about not watching the team. Yeah, Jeff Okuda's been team. awful. Je- I mean, you know, number one, Jeff Okuda. I mean, Aubrey Pleasant kept saying, do your job. Do your job. He did not do his job in run support on that play. Nope. You know what? Tough love. Maybe every individual coach knows what buttons to press with players. Some need to be hugged. Some don't really need a ton. Some just need to watch film. Some need to be pushed in the game. And before Jeff Okuda ruptured his Achilles, which is terrible, he did improve in that game. But maybe in that situation, Okuda needed that button pressed to where he's like, hey, get it in gear. Get your ass in gear. Let's go. But it proves to me that Smith did not watch the rest of the game because he did not see later in the game a really nice embrace between Pleasant and Okuda. He kind of hugged him. Yes. He kind of dapped him up. I was going to bring that up. He there says, was footage of them kind of, what, what's the word? They they made up, I guess. I don't know. It, they, it's fine, dude. They did make up. I mean, and that 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 is beautiful because that is coaching. That player-coach relationship is so beautiful because you can go back and forth between wanting to kill each other in the heat of battle, and that's your coach looking out for you. He's going to praise you when you do stuff well. He's going to rip on you when you do stuff bad. That's just that relationship between player-coach. And Steve Smith, he was such a vocal player when he played for the Carolina Panthers in a couple years for the Baltimore Ravens. You cannot tell me that he didn't get in a couple of heated interactions with some of his coaches. So Exactly. You know, I get his point about players not being able to give it back to coaches, but I believe in that two-way relationship. He can give, They can go back and forth a little bit. A lot of people in this kind of situation, when they see this kind of fight, they're like, oh, you know, bad culture, really bad culture. But if I see players arguing with each other, and it's constructive, they're not trying to fight, I see players and coaches going back and forth, that to me is a sign of a healthy culture because those parties want to win and they care about winning. If anything, this is a positive. And Dan Campbell said it too. He's like, I, di- I don't like it, but he's like, I don't dislike it. That's progress. Yeah, my, my closing thought on this is simply just, and I agree with everything you said, Sloan, very well articulated. This staff 
is very young. The staff is very experienced despite their age. This a staff percent. is full of players or, or player coaches who played in the NFL 10 years ago. I mean, like these guys, they haven't been living under a rock. It's, I don't have Marvin Lewis on this coaching staff or, or you know, Jim Caldwell, God love him. This, they're trying to change the culture. So this beating the dead horse of the Detroit Lions culture is terrible really bothers me when we're one game into a new regime that is completely 180 from what the Lions have been trying to do in the last few years. Something that doesn't get talked about as well with the Quinn, Patricia, you know, them getting their asses out the door, they also kind of switch principal owners. I don't know if you noticed, but, yeah, you know. This is a top-down culture change. I love Martha Ford. Don't get me wrong. I love Martha Ford. But she's 90-what, four years old? Yes. And, yeah, and she's, now she's, she's getting up there. So this youth movement has really been from the top down. That's all I got to say. Give these guys more than one game to at least show that the culture has changed for the better. I think your point on the coaching staff is brilliant. Well deserving of another sounder. Genius football. I, our life, yes. I mean, Hank's on fire. Saints general manager Mickey Loomis put it really, really well when Dan Campbell got hired. He went on the record and said, you know, assistant coaches are going to want to come to Detroit and coach for Dan Campbell. Aubrey Pleasant, Deuce Staley, Anthony Lynn. Aaron Glenn. Aaron Glenn. I mean, this is Antoine Randall-L. Great pickup. This is just a stacked coaching staff, and it's one that, you know, these players, I mean, think about the guys that were coaching you know, under Quinn and Patricia. I mean, you had, you know, I'm blanking on the old defensive coordinator. Uh, Corey so, Unlin. Yeah, Corey Unlin. And even before him, it was... Uh, Wow, I'm blanking big time. I, oh, Paul Pascaloni, Paul old Pascaloni. man Rivers. Ever, Paul, Paul Ravioli. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, terrible. But 517-884-8989, we want to hear your thoughts about the Steve Smith, Aubrey Pleasant, Jeff Okuda situation. You can also tweet us using the hashtag GWReport. What are your thoughts? Are you as PO'd at, as, at uh, Steve Smith as Trent and I are? I'd hope. Maybe we're, t- maybe we're a little extreme in the, in the uh, yeah, situation. Yeah, maybe check us. Maybe yeah. tell us we're idiots. Maybe maybe that situation should not have been. Yeah, (laughs) maybe tell us we're thinking with our hearts. Please, which I am. I hand up. I am. Do I lose credibility for saying that? Maybe five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine. Please let us know your thoughts. You can text us in using that number. Twelve o'clock here in East Lansing, Michigan. On the other side of the break, we will be joined here on WDBM, the Green and White Report, by Adam Baker, our soccer expert, and like we said. Maybe Trent's gaining a new team today. I'm just going to tease that. But this is the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. Wow. No sleep till Brooklyn. I am fired up. I am fired up for two reasons. But go ahead, Trent. The Beastie Boys. I love that the is Beastie all. Boys. That is all I have to say. The music video for this is, is pretty good. I've never seen it. It's it's a good watch. Maybe I'll but, be watching that instead of NFL yeah. football. Oh man, big slate today. No, big slate. you know what? I wish the Lions were playing today. I'm juiced up to watch them because I don't know Monday Night Football officiating. Yeah. I don't know. But not only do we have the Beastie Boys, but we are joined by Adam Baker live in studio, Michigan State soccer reporter for WDBM. Adam, it's been a couple weeks since we've had you. How are you doing? You know, pretty good myself. Excited to be back. Can't say the team's off to the same. Uh, Oh, not the same optimism I am, but hey, things have happened right. since we last yeah. chatted. You know, we thought that 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 game against you know diving right into it, 
We thought that that game against Bowling Green was going to kind of be a layup, but that was an eventual loss. The Spartans also lost to Tulsa. They did beat Notre Dame, but they had a draw with Wisconsin in their last timeout. You know, Adam, just kind of getting your pulse on what the team is right now. Is there reason for concern right now? You know, I know the Notre Dame win was key, but there were a couple losses peppered in there. From the last time we saw you, how has your kind of pulse on the team changed and your temperature? Yeah, so they've only won one of the four games, so it would be wrong if I didn't, you know, start by saying the optimism and, yeah, feeling around the team has definitely had to decrease. There's a little more worries around that have rose in those games. The defense hasn't been too convincing. Three goals against Bowling Green, five against Tulsa, another three against Notre Dame, and then just a one against Wisconsin, but it costed them the win. So the defense is obviously a concern. There was positive signs with the way they were able to respond against Notre Dame because getting blown out against Tulsa and then going into halftime down 3-1 in South Bend, it would have been easy to kind of just be deflated, pack the bags, and really just coast through the second half on the way to a third consecutive loss. But we saw them score three goals for Aimutatu, huge hat trick, apparently, according to our fellow co-host Ian Gilmore, the first Michigan State hat trick since 2012. Wow. So getting that on the scoreboard, and he's been deserved of that moment. But then you would have wanted to see them propel that into a win in the Big Ten opener. With all due respect to Wisconsin and the Big Ten's competitiveness, it's a favorable road opener. You can't complain too much about having it. They were able to get the lead. And then they let it slip in another one of a defensive le- miscue. The guy who scored ended up putting it away from the middle of the box. But if you look at the steal shot when he's about to shoot, he had three people open to his right he could have played to. So there are a few different ways they could have went about conceding that goal. So getting the defense orientated is still definitely a big concern. Adam, I want to ask you that age-old question. Um, thanks for being with us, by the way. But I want to ask you the, the, the age-old question of, are, have the Spartans been losing these games or have they just been like not... What, what, how do I want to say this? Have the other teams been winning or have the Spartans been losing? Have you found any silver linings in these losses? Bowling Green completely outpaid, outplayed them in every aspect of the game. Like They won that game, and Michigan State just didn't show up. They were even saying in the post game, it was a Sunday early kickoff, and I don't know, they didn't show up properly for that one. But no, there was, I think they could have replayed that game a few times and we would have seen the same outcome happen over and over again. There has been defensive mistakes and letdowns, but like if it happens in a 5-1 loss, they were just, kind of, again, played off the park. Right. Great comeback against Notre Dame, which was a staple win. Where oh, you Again, you want to look back at it as a turning point in the season, and it's not to say it isn't by that draw. And then it's tough. Obviously, Wisconsin, they want – and Damon said you know, any point on the road in the Big Ten is a good point. But with the schedule that's coming up, Indiana to be the home opener in the conference, to have Decane in between, you would you would want to see them get that win there. So they let I think they let some points slip there. But again, the Bowling Green and Tulsa game, you, you really can't flip an outcome of games that went so wrong. You know, Tulsa, I was looking at the schedule, is currently ranked number 24, and it was on the road all the way in Tulsa. So not to cut any excuses, but... That all of a sudden is a little bit, you know, of a beefier team on the resume. You know, I do want to talk about the positives, though. Farai Mutatu, you mentioned the hat trick against Notre Dame. You know, what is Farai's ceiling, and are there any other players right now really sticking out on this club? Well, obviously, hat trick every game is out of reach, but a a goal involvement every game, a goal or an assist, obviously, is well within his skill set. 
can easily do that. He's such a creative player that draws so much attention. And even if he's not getting a direct assist, just his play, his gravitational effect, just bringing defenders towards him and letting the play spark from there can definitely cause damage for any defense. And it's calmed down. A, well, Jack Beck hasn't calmed down as of late. His playmaking, he's two assists in that game, got another one in the conference opener. His playmaking has been huge. Michael Miller and Gianni Ferry were the two I talked about last time I was on here. And their involvement's calmed down as the team scoring calmed down, with the exception of the game in South Bend. But you still look, I mean, Ferry's actually been absent for this road trip. So you look for his return to help this team really get back to its best. And then, obviously, you still have Will Perkins at fullback who can always provide. But I think at the moment, you're going to be hoping just to see the defense improve rather than looking for offensive sparks. So you've got Duquesne coming down the pipeline. It's kind of a lighter week for the Spartans. That game is on Tuesday at 7 p.m. here in East Lansing. What do you expect to see in that one? Well, the last time I uh, talked before I prepped for a team, I predicted trap. It's a trap. I, I predicted yeah. a convincing win for Bowling Green, and little did I know Bowling Green was off to an amazing defensive start to the season, and so it showed it in East Lansing. But no, I think you'd want to see them take advantage of having a non-conference game between two of them, really exercise some demons we've seen there. They haven't gotten a clean sheet yet this season if they could get that first one before Indiana comes to town. So you you always want to see a convincing win. Yeah, you want a confidence builder. Yeah, yeah, but yep. I think it should be within their reach. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be a blowout. But if you could get a 1-0, a 2 win, get your first clean sheet behind you, because that, uh, whether it's a mental block or just the defense letting goals in, cut out the mistakes because there have been some bad ones, and just being able to shut, shut up shop for 90 minutes. We're once again being joined by Adam Baker, MSU soccer reporter for WDBM here on the Green and White Reports. Adam, we talked a little bit about some professional soccer, especially the Premier League. Chelsea is kind of my team now. Talked about the United States men's national team. Let's dive into that realm a little bit more today. Got to get the date. September 19th, <laughs> 2021, at 11.08 p.m., we are going to get Trent Bally a Premier League team. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it right over to my right. Excuse me, that's my this, left. This is, such a, this is such a classic Midwest radio yes. segment. I'm excited for this. We're going to get Trent a Premier League team. Now, without further ado, our expert, Adam Baker. September 19th, now fully known as Trent Day. Yes, it is Trent. <laughs> I'm behind it. Happy I like Trent it. Bally Day. Happy Trent Bally Day. All right, so I said I made up four NBA comparisons, and I'm just going to let you pick the uh, – the environment you want to have yourself in. Yeah, Adam's um, like going to interview me, by the way, the just big, to give these people context. Yeah, this is, Adam has created a question matrix, and the answers to Trent's, uh, the answers to these comparison questions are going to give Trent a team. Yeah, and you know, Sloan already picked Chelsea. I'm only giving you yep. the best four teams. We can't have misery. We need you competing towards Correct. the top. Okay, that's fair. We'll do weekly check-ins, too. Every time you come on the show, we'll do weekly check-ins, see how our teams are doing. But I don't want to interrupt. All right, so... And I'm going in order of the comparisons I'm most proud of. So the first two, you know, I was, I thought I did a good job with them. Okay. So we're starting with Chelsea. Hit me. The 2016-17 Warriors. They won, they Ooh. won the Champions League. 73 wins, obviously. You know, not quite a. Yeah. Doesn't directly relate. They won the Champions League. They looked like they built a team that no one can play against, and that they would just be able to grind out any result. And then right before the season started, they signed one of the best strikers in the world, Romelu Lukaku. So that's. Their... I will say this as a as a LeBron James diehard. LeBron James. Thank you, Hank. Thank you, Hank. I have hated 
the Golden State Warriors for the last mm. half decade. Oh, now, no. I will say it's not it's not about Steph Curry. It's about Kevin Durant. I, I am not a Kevin Durant fan. Therefore, I am no longer a Brooklyn Nets supporter. Used to be. Love Jay-Z. Shout out Hove. But I don't I, – I, so I'm going to say no on that. I don't like that team at all. So I, I, I also think it would be a bad look for me to just hop in with the best team right away because I'm never that guy, right? I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. I'm bottom of the barrel. So I can't just hop in and be at the top. Well, all four of the teams I'm going to give you have an argument for the top. So I'll, I think hesitate before making the full decision. And my, okay. I was thinking about it when I was driving last night because I know you, you, you're a LeBron guy. You yes. probably hated the Warriors. So yes. See, that's true now. That you might enjoy being in their equivalent in another sport overseas. Maybe. And to make All right. They don't quite have the Steph star power, but imagine Steve Kerr was one of the best co- was actually one of the best coaches in NBA to fully convert to Chelsea. So that's number one. Number two, which might get you excited going off what we're going now. I feel like United, the 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 Lakers of the last few years, okay. this year, including the one that's coming up. Steph I mean, old. Old. <laughs> old. Well, led by a 36-year-old, but United in general is not that old. But it's a lot of star power that you got to see how it'll click. Lakers' issues are spacing and three-point shooting. United's issues, center mid and coaching. They have the worst coach of the big four by far. <laughs> Frank Vogel. All right. Slender. No, no, no. no, no that's I'm not just Vogel kidding. I'm just slander. kidding. I'm, I'm just trying to convert. Obviously, you know, soccer and basketball, there's going to be a, t- a little no, bit of a I tough time this. connecting the two. The, the cool. comparisons that you're drawing are awesome. So, again, you know. Lakers have all the star power right now. I don't need to go down the names. And right. United on paper, minus their center defensive mid, one of the best, might be the most talented team. It's, I guess all four teams have an argument. So those are the two I, I was most proud of the comparisons. Okay. Third one, okay, Liverpool's kind of like the Bucks, but oh. take out the self-sabotaging Milwaukee does. And instead of Boone and Hoser, a coach no one's convinced about, it's a coach any, any fan would run through a brick wall for, let alone... The players, you're so the, okay. the Bucks, but better. The Bucks, but better. The Bucks, but I better. I like that. Triple Bs, but and but they do. But you know how the, no one's fully convinced the Bucks can run it back. And despite Liverpool winning the league two years ago, people act like they're not one of the top three favorites. But the start to the season has shown, as of now, hopefully they'll maintain that status of running it back. And one of the Bucks' staples is defense. Liverpool's conceded one goal in five to start the season. Wow. Okay. I, I like that the most so far. I'll let you get to the fourth one, but I like Midwest flavor too, which I think you appreciate. I love the 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 grind of it. It's a defensive team. It's a team that that people don't necessarily believe in to win again anytime soon. I like that. But and then while you have Giannis's obvious production, Mohamed Salah guaranteed score just about every game of the season, and when okay. he doesn't, Mane should. All right, and then fourth, and judging by your reaction to the Warriors comparison, you won't like this one. Uh-oh, it's Miami, I'm, isn't it? I'm reaching a bit to say Manchester City is going to be, they're the Brooklyn Nets equivalent in my head in okay. a certain way. but Star power? It's lots of star power. And you know how when the books, the, the Brooklyn Nets, I combined the two, initially made the trade for Harden, everyone was like, uh, oh, well, there's only one ball. That's how they were trying to convince themselves the Nets would be beatable. For City, it's a little bit different. They don't have a striker. They have the best playmakers in the country. So for them, it's who's going to score. Okay. And they usually just do it in waves. Like They'll win a game 5-0, but yesterday they tied 0-0 and dropped points. So the striker could prove to be a bigger issue down the line. They didn't have one last season. They made the final. They didn't end up winning the Champions League final, but they're reigning champions. And instead of Steve Nash, unproven coach, they have Pep Guardiola, who 
That could be like the Nets not having a center at all. Jeff Green. Yeah, for a viable comparison. Yes. So, Adam, I appreciate you putting this in terms that I will understand. I, and, and, I, I wish we had a drum roll or something. Yeah, Adam has been speaking my language. Suspense. But given what I've said, I don't think it's going to be much of a surprise. i got to go with Liverpool, man. Liverpool. That's my team now, I guess. I, I see a head shake over here. Great to have, no, no, a positive head shake. Oh, good, good. Okay, it was a nod. It was, was looking not east-west. It was, was north-south. I just wanted to see your reaction. That was the, that was the apparent nod. But no, Oh, head shake, I mean. But hey, great to have you aboard. Before, are I... you a Liverpool fan? Yeah. Oh well, bet. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, th- this is just a match made in heaven. Though. We might have to get Henry a Prem League team. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe next week we'll. we'll, we'll... Would you be open to that, Henry? Yeah. You could put it in terms of uh, '70s rock bands. For me, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be able to pick them. Yeah. The Liverpool Rolling... is Van Halen. The Rolling Stones <laughs> represent blank. <laughs> that would be in. great. <laughs> that that'd be awesome. But yeah, more to come on that. But Liverpool. Guys, this is this is a happy moment. Trent Bally Day has a happy ending. Trent Bally Day, September nineteenth, nice because uh, Jurgen Klopp used to coach Dortmund, coaches Liverpool. Thomas Tuchel used to coach Dortmund, coaches Chelsea. So I have my ties to both of you guys. Okay, I all can, right. Okay, I like this. We're going to follow the standings, the table, to use a soccer term, the rest of the year. We're going to get Henry in on this a little bit. We'll get him a team. Maybe we'll do some different comparisons, but. Adam, thank you for joining us, talking MSU soccer, talking the Premier League, getting Trent a team. We really appreciate it. Hey, glad to be here. Just The only shame is Liverpool and Chelsea already played their first game of the oh, season no. against each other a few weeks ago. But oh, That would have been that would have been fun. It would have been the Green and White Report Derby. We could have put some bread on it. We just, oh. just wait for the second one. It'll probably be Sunday, 11 a.m. You guys can watch while you're here. Yeah, no kidding. We can put it on this large, beautiful, beautiful TV, TV that we have behind us. But... Adam Baker, thank you very much for joining us live in studio on this Sunday morning. On the other side of the break, another edition of the Sparty Awards. You're listening to the Green and White Report. You used to call me on my cell phone. Wow. If this song doesn't scream like junior year of high school, yeah. I don't know what does. It's like announcements. It's like it's like broadcast announcements. That's what my high school would do, and this was like the intro song. And oh, I'm oh, not a no. Drake guy, but we don't have to spend time was on gonna, this. I was just gonna say, I, 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 people make fun of me for this because I don't know. Everyone's like, "Oh, Donda or Certified Lover Boy? Like, what do you like better? What do you like better, Donda? Me too. I'm a cop. You know what? I'm, I, I'm not a Drake guy. I'm, I'm kind of a Kanye guy. I think yeah. he's kind of on a level of his own. Yep. I, I didn't get any buzzers, so I'm hoping that Hank. Agrees with me back there. He's our music expert. Certified, you know, it was I, but I'm not a Drake guy. I'm I'm a Jay Z purist, so yeah. I definitely am in Kanye's corner always. Despite he's got a lot of things going on sometimes, but you know, I think that this was a little bit of a comeback for for Kanye. I, I mean, so it, too. I mean, it was. I mean, there was a lot of smoke around this. There was, and then there was fire eventually when it got dropped. I think somebody told me that actually, like his manager dropped it and not him because they were like, "Yeah, I'm get this out." Yep, but. Kanye, don't call it a comeback. But with this, let's get into the Sparty Awards here on the Green and White Report. 12, 19 o'clock. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I, I, Just I, read the sheet, I Sloan. said during hey, Junior. <laughs> That's perfect. I said during the break, I'm like, I hope my throat lasts me. Thank you, allergies. Thank you, the changing seasons. Thank you, leaves. And Henry said he had allergy problems in Ann Arbor yesterday, too, so I'm not alone. I told you guys, I th- they actually have trees down there, so I, all of a sudden I was like, whoa. They know. actually have foliage. They, they, they shocked the system, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shocked you. 
Well, we're going to be talking about something that stinks, but it's not allergies, and that would be the most annoying types of fans. Yes, the Sparty Awards topic for this Sunday is the most annoying type of fans. I'll kick it off. Yes, our beautiful intro. Trumpet fanfare, baby. Always got to have the trumpet fanfare, but the most annoying types of fans. I'm going to start it off. Shoot the puck guy. Yeah. Now, if you go to a hockey game... Someone's crossing the blue line, defenseman. You know, maybe it's a power play. Shoot! Shoot the puck! Shoot! Yeah. It's so annoying. (laughs) You can't shoot the puck every time you go down the ice. It's terrible. It's just not good. It's not good hockey. I will say this. Growing up in Grand Rapids, I have been to a a fair share of Grand Rapids Griffins games. And shout out. Affiliate of the Wings. I never really realized that, and I don't know how, but that is just... I mean, the place is crawling with those people. Are L- you let me tell you something. Shoot the puck guy. That I am guy, not a shoot the puck guy. That guy okay. would love to watch me play NHL or FIFA because every shoot time the puck have, every time I touch <laughs> the ball, which is not often, or the puck in this instance, the implement, it's going up, man. You're, you're <laughs> shooting from center ice. I got. I just got to take a shot while I got it. The virtual, <laughs> the virtual fan would yell, "Shoot!" and you'd already release the puck or yeah. ball. They would be very, very pleased at my, uh, at my, my skills. All right, Trent. My first one, and this is an obvious one for me, if you know anything about me, I hate negative Lions fans. I don't have to spend much time on it. We already did our whole Steve Smith I like it. Expose. It's localized. Yeah. I just, I, the Lions in particular, dude, I hate it. I'm working, I, last night I was working at, uh, you know, my, where, where I work. I don't want to do a call to action here. Try to follow the rules. Love it. Um, I was and, working where I work. And I'm wearing my <laughs> Lions. Man a bell. I'm wearing a Lions jersey. Herman Moore, shout out. Yes. And, dude. Everyone that's that that makes a there's no positive comments. There's no like one pride or like go lions. It's always like, oh, uh, how much are we losing by yeah. on Monday night? And I'm like, dude, get out of here, get out of the store, please. That's it. Negative lions fans, Do you- have some positivity. I know it's not easy. I know I might be in the minority. I am in the minority, quite frankly. There, but dude, have a little pos- positivity. Now, do you have the power to kick these people out at your um, respective job? Technically, yes. Ooh. But I also want their business, so I choose not to do that. You might have to start clipping them one by one. If you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. I love it. That yeah. is what I've been taught at a very young age. I so love anyways, that. Sloan, keep us moving. All right. Another vocal fan at said sporting event or maybe a bar or a party. The, the guy who goes, the ball is snapped. The quarterback gets the ball. Maybe he runs out of the pocket and someone says, get him. Get him. <laughs> I'm that guy. Oh, I am that no. guy. I, I am so that guy, Sloan. The moment, you know, I have a fond memory of one Ryan Collins when you guys did that video a couple oh, years yes. ago on Monday Night Football and the Lions lost to the Packers. And uh, Rodgers rushed out of the pocket and Collins, former host of the show, we love him. Rabs was there, other former host of the show. God love them both. Collins said, get him. So loud! Get him! We need yeah. to we need to get a drop of that. That'd be hilarious. Ah, that would be awesome. I, yeah, that, is, that was a. Fu- he was very distraught in that moment. He was. You could hear the pain yeah, in his voice. Literal. Yeah, pain. Oh yeah, dude. And I, I, I am that guy. Unfortunately, and Trent said, I, "I am." There's a, holding. There's holding all over the play. Oh play-. my gosh! Yeah, laced laced with expletives, just I'm, all over the place. I'm not a big get him guy, 
you know, if I'm a go get them guy, if that's like right. before the ball is snapped, I'm like, go get them. I'm just like saying stuff that. like because because for some reason I'm a psycho when I watch the Lions, man. Like, are I, you? I have a telepathic connection with the defensive lineman, at least in my head. I do. When you watch the Lions, go get them, Romeo. Are you sitting back in your chair? Are you hands on knees? Little bend to the back, forward. You're look. You're you're locked in. I'm guessing you're locked in. Well, uh, actually, that's a good segue because my next one is the nosebleed know it all. And I'll, I'll explain it. what I mean in a second. But during the Lions games, like at the stadium at Ford Field, I have to sit usually because people behind you get pretty PO'd if you're standing up, which I understand. But I stand for every third down, so so th- I guess it's the best of both worlds. But the the nosebleed guy who was like, we got a bird's eye view, right? You can see everything. So it's like if there's a bigger hole on the right side of the line and DeAndre Swift runs through the left hole and this guy, I got this fat guy next to me <laughs> screaming, hey, there's a bigger hole over there. Yeah. Hate that guy. Worst guy. Again, that goes along with the negativity. But anyways, Sloan, you can you can you can roll with your third one. That's that's the worst too because they always think they're right. Like, oh, that damn coach. Yeah. Oh, you know this team stinks. Yep. Oh, that quarterback should have read the other way. Well, they had a 275 pound defensive end crashing down on him. I'm sorry he didn't read that side of the field. My third and final Sparty Award submission for this Sparty Awards topic: the most annoying types of fans is the fans who constantly. And I mean constantly beef on Twitter. Now, I love a little nice Twitter beef. Lions fans, Michigan, Michigan State, obviously, love a little fun Twitter. But the fans who will so blindly back the team and say the most stupidest excuses and the stupidest jabs at other teams get out. Yeah. I cannot stand that. Like yesterday, for example, I open up my the, I open up the Twitter and I get on there, and it's Michigan State fans and Michigan fans beefing about. Oh, you guys haven't played anybody. Oh, neither of you guys. Oh, you can't say that Kenneth Walker has better Heisman chances than Blake Corum. I know it's oh, like you know, duh, the 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 big house wasn't as full. Stop. Yeah. Like it's. I love good beef, but the the fanboys and the fangirls and the fan whoever's <laughs> stop. It's the childish beef. When I open Twitter and I see it, I just want to throw my phone. Every time throw someone it. does something like that, they just they really think they did something. They're like, "Oh, I just oh, made I a great him. point." You're not changing anyone's mind. It's like politics. So why even why even engage? And yeah, I agree. You know, I guess this is kind of a bonus, but like people will talk about like msu twitter yeah or like michigan twitter and there's like the big fat cat accounts that have like a ton of followers who are like the leaders of msu twitter that's like an honorable submission get yeah you stink yeah you stink you stink stink. you're always starting like weird beefs and you're coming up with random excuses and like no one likes that guy after every game you're like oh we're like a hundred percent back like after youngstown everyone was like you know, some members of Spartans Twitter were like, oh, you know, Youngstown, you know, this team is back, blah. It's like, no, it's not not, not really. M- MSU Twitter. It does go both ways. Beefing fans. No. No more. All right. My final submission. This is pretty simple. I hate the guys who wear, like, random jerseys. And I don't mean random jerseys of the teams that are playing. I, like, I just mean... Like if I go to a Lions game and I see a Joyke Bell jersey, I love that because it's 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 a Lions jersey. But if I go to a Lions game and they're playing the Packers 
and there's a Von Miller 58 Denver Broncos Why is jersey. it always Von Miller? I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, always I, Von it, Miller. It's Von Miller or like Russell Wilson. I'm like, dude, what do you... I understand you want to like wear a jersey to the game, but clearly you're not a fan of either one of these teams. So wear something neutral, dude. You're a loser. You look like a loser. Speaking of... You, you know stick what I out wore, like a sore thumb. You know what I wore to the game yesterday? What? A gray shirt. Yeah. Thank you, Hank. Yep. Thank you, a gray, Hank. A gray for shirt. We're not, no, not no strutting into it. the big house wearing a, wearing a yeah, whatever. I, I got nothing. You know, I, Random jersey guy. I felt a little bit hurt there because I'm wearing a Washington Nationals hat as we do this show. No, but right you now. would never I, wear I that to a no, Tigers never, game. Never. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. No. But like, like, for example, I got this Nationals hat when I was in, when I visited Nats Park in my eighth grade field trip. Shout out Celine Middle School. I, I have zero problem with having the, 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 oh, the yeah. gear. It's just wearing it to a game where it's impartial. No, I agree. Like, for example, for State's first game against Youngstown, say I saw someone in a Victor Oladipo Miami Vice jersey. Yes, what is jersey. that, <laughs> What is that? Are you kidding me? Go shirtless before you wear that. What, what does that have to do with football, Michigan State, game, like, Stop. The, you know what? Nothing. The is own people in the is own are victim of that too. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, this is where I back MSU Twitter a little bit. People they'll get on people in the is own for wearing like rant like Miles Bridges Charlotte Hornets jersey. It's like no time and place. You got to know the time and place. Yeah, you I'm do. With, I'm with you on that one. Yep. All right, Henry. What did we miss? Not much. I'm, I'm just kind of piggybacking off of uh, Trent Nosby know it all. Mine's the armchair quarterback. Yeah. Because no, but a specific Classic. kind. This is the guy who doesn't even know the team, but he's still, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like he, he watches the game every once in a while, or like you know, if people, if there's a party going on, he'll go to the party. But he's still going to tell you what this team should be doing. It's like Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr can't check down to anybody. It's like, do you watch the Raiders? <laughs> this guy, this guy can name three players on the team. Yeah. And you know I'm talking about he can say number yeah. thirty. This guy, this guy, sh- you know I'm talking about. Hey, Kurt, you know Kurt Cousins. You know he is mediocre. Well, he had a really good year last year. Did you know that? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you can never call out our you can, you can, the thing is this though you can't necessarily call out armchair quarterback because then you kind of become armchair quarterback. You can't call them out because it's not even their fault. They they don't watch the games. You know yeah. what? They're out of their element. Just, oh. You know what? This sounds like a lot of the national media. That's all I'll say. Where do you stand on uh, Jersey guy? Like I know, I know you said about it a little bit. You know, like you wore the gray shirt. That's perfect. Right. I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna pull up in an MSU gear. You What's know, the most game. outrageous sh- Jersey? Jackie you've seen? Moon. Uh, oh my oh gosh. My Flint goodness. Tropics. Flint Tropics. Every, I love that movie. Fair warning. I love that movie. Me too. But every Michigan State male has one of those in their closet. I am convinced. Yeah. It's if you got a Rama. Yeah. You, you'll see at least two of those. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say, I, Trent will be, I was, it's not a game. I was like, initially what popped in my head, I was like, oh, Trent might feel a little out of place at Rama when there's like wing sweaters and like oh, yeah. Michigan State stuff and like Lions. Yep. I'm just, hey, you have some nice jerseys that you can wear to Rama. Just not I, the game. Just not the game. Not the game. Again, this time of, like Rama is made for that. You're supposed to wear crazy jerseys around. Yeah, because then it's, it's a fun. conversation starter. Yeah. You're having a cold beverage. Yeah. You see somebody in a, Patrick Ewing Knicks jersey. Yeah, you see somebody like, oh, in a, uh, love that. a Rodney Stuckey Pistons jersey. You say that <laughs> yeah. he was my favorite player when I was 11. Stuckey! Yeah. Shout out Mason. Yep. That's our guy. He's in 2K now. No free ads, but he's in yes. 2K. That was the Sparty Awards for this Sunday morning. If you have any most annoying types of fans that you'd like to give an honorable mention, you can text the show, 517-884-8989. 30 minutes left on this edition of the Green and White Report. On the other side... 
Henry will jump in once again for an edition of NFL Buy or Sell. Football! This is the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. 27 minutes left in the show on this Sunday morning. We'll get into NFL Buy or Sell with Henry in just a second, but... I saw something on Twitter over the week that kind of sparked my interest, piqued my interest a little bit. A Twitter account called Big Game Boomer. I'm not sure who that is. They're a Sooners fan. (laughs) Boomer Sooner, I suppose. But they ranked the best and worst bathrooms in college football stadiums. Now, the reason it sparked my interest, obviously the best bathrooms. We have Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, feeling the Big 12 Obviously, A&M, formerly Big 12. Then Colorado State and Baylor. But then you go to the worst stadium bathrooms as rated by this guy. Tennessee, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and coming in at number five, Michigan State. The bathroom situation is unique. I don't know if it's necessarily bad. I think it's kind of funny. Like, as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, because it's like, it's a mess in there. It's a trough. Yeah, it's a trough. You're peeing into a trough. Those things are... It's a staple of Spartan Stadium. I feel like they can't leave because no, it's just can. what we're used to. It's also probably way easier to maintain True. than if you have a bunch of stalls and toilets. But there's, I just wanted to put this out there because everyone BSs about the Spartan Stadium bathrooms. Are they luxurious? No, they're not. Are they nostalgic? Yes, they are. Do they get the job done? Yes, Special they do. shout out as well. Obviously, at six, we have Minnesota, seven, Oregon State. This is the best list. Eight, Cincinnati. But coming in at number nine... The Michigan Wolverines at the big house of bet number nine in the ranking of best stadium bathrooms. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Good for you guys. You got great bathrooms over there. Let hey. me not be so partial. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> just I, like I kind of realized that today. I've been very, very hard on Michigan today. How were the bathrooms yesterday? I didn't check them out. Ah, I didn't. I didn't make it over there. Hank. How did you go the whole game without using the bathroom? You know, I should have been inspecting every inch of that place and looking for the slightest flaw. That's what you I should have been. You should have brought been. your ruler and been That's like, what I would have been doing. I, w- I should have been testing the structural integrity of all the beams and making sure, you know, that they're like, <laughs> you're like Dwight in the office when he yeah. went over to whose house was it? Was it like, it was. Oh, was it it's, David it's, Wallace? It's David Wallace. David yeah. Wallace's house. And he was like knocking on the studs. The and he banister. Was like, he was like on the roof. Yep. Yeah. That's what I should have been doing. You'd be measuring like, how, oh, this sink is an inch farther away from this sink than Actually, it should you know, be. On that topic, I know we got to get moving here, but I got to ask you guys a question. No, you're good, Hank. The big house is the big house, right? It's one of the biggest stadiums in the world, if not, you know, the country, whatever. But it's not, you know, when you go in there, it's not like super tall. It's like very wide. Very wide. Yep. Yeah. That's why I, I agree. I think it always looks like... It, it's weird. It almost looks smaller than it is on it TV looks because it's like lower to the ground. Yeah, but it obviously when you massive. see it from the aerial view, then you see how big it is. But I when you're it, inside of it, it's it doesn't look that big. It looks taller from TV too, and then when you're inside it, it looks a little wider, which yeah. makes you think it's a little smaller. But here's my question: Why don't more stadiums do that? They can fit way more people. Every seat is way better because they're not as high. Well, probably because it t- it takes more space. I more, guess so. more you know, real estate. The Lambeau so. Field is kind of like that. Oh my in gosh! Green Bay, I think. So we're just gonna bring up all of our least favorite teams yeah, and tell, say how great their stadiums are. Their lower <laughs> bowl is pretty large. By the way, while we're on this topic, not to completely shift gears, did you see that the 49ers are accusing Ford Field of having like? Bad turf, and that's why Mostert oh. tore his ACL. What, what did he do? They he just replaced ACL? the turf two years ago. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, blow me. The, they just, 
Probably can't say that. Sorry. <laughs> they just replaced the turf like yeah, two uh, years like, ago. What, what do you want, man? Like, uh, okay, yeah, our guy gets Why hurt. Why are you bitching about that? Yeah, I don't know. Don't no idea. But anyways, yeah. let's let's move yeah. on from that. Let's, uh, let's that's move enough into of that. buy or sell. The buy or NFL sell version with Henry Menegos. Here we go. Buy or sell. Urban Meyer led Jacksonville Jaguars will be the worst team in the NFL. I'm selling this. I still am kind of in on the Texans being the worst team in the NFL just because I think they have a little bit more talent than the Jaguars. But the Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville is not off to a great start. They asked him about USC, but he said no. You know, that's proven truther as opposed to a liar, Urban Meyer, but I'll leave that to speculation. Yep, we talk about year zero and all this stuff. Urban Meyer deserves... Time to settle in, but that is not the question. The question is, this year, are they going to be the worst team in the NFL? And I say yes, simply because the Houston Texans have won a game, and I am a huge, and I mean huge, Tyrod Taylor fan. That is The most underappreciated quarterback in the NFL. And unluckiest. He goes from job to job just to get it stolen by his younger backup counterpart. Dude got his lung punctured by the team trainer. Yeah, that'd be like you coming in for the... What? Like, that doesn't happen to people. (laughs) That'd be like you coming in for the show today... And like, you know, Henry, you're like, oh, my back hurts. And you don't want to do a back crack. And Henry cracks your back and he snaps your spine. Yeah. And then I'm, yeah. Yeah. Or it'd be like me. I'm having technical issues with my mic and Hank here comes over to help me with it and ends up blowing up in my face. (laughs) Something like that. You know, like you you trust certain people to do certain things. I, I, I would trust you not to completely, I don't know. Puncture my lung with a knee, with a cortisone <laughs> shot, whatever it was. By the way, I hate needles, so let's uh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's move on. Oh, yeah. But yes, I think I do think the Jacksonville Jaguars will be the worst team in the NFL. But my one caveat: if you throw the ball to Marvin Jones, you'll win games. He'll come down with it. Yep. By ourselves, Aaron Rodgers is officially on the decline. I am going to give this to Trent. Because we talked can, about this pre-show. Can, I'm going to add a third option, buy, sell, or hold. I'm going to hold on this because I'll tell you what, I don't think Aaron Rodgers gives a flying bleep, bleep about anything this year. And and I'm serious. I People are like saying, oh, that was the worst game of his career, which it was. You know, two tu- two, 200 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, lowest QBR in the league, whatever. He had the worst game of his career statistically. But I don't see it from him. I don't think he cares I think he's collecting a paycheck this year. He negotiated that contract so that after the season he's out and he's going to have his pick of the litter. You know, if if you know five or six teams are interested in him, he'll basically just get to choose where he goes because he's a free agent, obviously. And yeah, I don't think he, I I don't know if he's necessarily in decline, but I do think he his play will be in decline this year in particular because he does not care. Sloan, what do you think? I'm also going to hold on this one. You know, I think that there is a lot left to play out in this story. If he wants out of Green Bay and he wants to continue to play, he will amp up his play. If the offseason distractions are going to prove to be too much, that will prove itself. I think it's too soon to say if he's if if I'm out, if I'm out on him or in on him. I'm going to hold as well. I I also real quick. I just I, I feel bad for him because he's going to start zero two. That is yes, all. Sir. more on that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, dude, I love sorry. it. Nice little tease right there. By the sell, the Saints are a legitimate playoff threat. After their huge win over the Packers. I'm going to buy this. You know, the NFC wow. is not as... Yikes. The NFC is not as deep as the AFC. Correct. You know, I know that the NFC West does pose a threat because there's the Rams, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. I'm losing one 49ers. The 49 All of them in the division are legit playoff contenders. But you think about the, the NFC North, you think about the NFC South, it's like the rest is pretty weak. 
maybe this offense is opened up a little bit more with Jameis Winston at quarterback. He can, you know, he will turn the ball over, but he can distribute the football maybe a little bit more than an aging Drew Brees. Their defense brought back all those pieces. Sean Payton, I give him the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. I've got them in the mix. I do too, because the question is, can they be a legitimate playoff threat? Meaning, can they make the playoffs? Yes. For all the reasons you just laid out, Sloan, they pretty much bring back the same team. The one big change, obviously, is Drew Brees is out, Jameis Winston's in. And you know what? Dare I say you can do a little more with your offense with Jameis Winston. Granted, he isn't the passer that Drew Brees is. You can open it up. You can run it. You can run the ball a little bit more with your quarterback. You know, And and anytime you got a coach like Sean Payton, I mean, yeah, you're going to be right there every single year, hovering around eight and eight, maybe better, eight and nine, I guess, this year with the 17 game schedule. But absolutely, they'll I think the, the Saints mix. could make it with that added wild card. They'll be in the mix. They looked great last week. After getting killed by Arizona in Week One, are you buying or selling the Tennessee Titans? You know, I'm still going to buy the Titans just because of that division they play in. You know, they got four games against the Jags and Texans coming up. Mike Vrabel is the kind of guy who gets everything he can out of his club. I think Ryan Tannehill is in a bit of a prove-it year. You know, he's not. I, I don't necessarily see him as a proven commodity yet, but I'm going to buy them still as a playoff team, you know, especially in the AFC. You know, I know it's a little bit deeper, but, you know, it's going to be them and the Colts. It could go either way. They're going to be in the mix. I'm not ready to sell on them yet. The defense is concerning, but A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, you can't fake that kind of talent on offense. The two biggest actors for me are actually not even Derrick Henry. It's it's that coach, Mike Rabel, in that division. And are you, you hit on him? that? I, I am. Okay. And and you hit on that, Sloan, so I won't get too much into it, but I do think by default, you know, that division's horrible. And I just think when you got a running back like Henry and you've got a seasoned vet like Tannehill, and I think Julio Jones still has a lot of his potential to unlock in that offense. And I just think they're gonna build on it. Last week was a little fluky. Arizona's good. They've and been- I just They've been Tennessee has been consistently in the mix yes. three four years so I I'm I'm in lockstep with you bye buy or sell Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams have legitimate Super Bowl chances I don't know how you could sell this I mean yeah, it, I, it, Super Bowl chances I mean I'm not gonna predict that they're gonna win it but dude that that defensive line is is a terror Matt Stafford looked fantastic with the with that you know offense and the new look and everything and they they didn't it, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's running the ball. You know, it could be Henderson, could be Michelle, or it could be nobody. They just, that offense works, defense is great, that division's tough, but I love Sean McVay and what he's done and everything, and you know, we we obviously as Lions fans are keeping a very close eye on the Rams. We want to see Stafford succeed. Um, so I'm, I'm going to buy. Yeah, I think they have a legit shot at winning the Super Bowl. I am as well. I mean, they checked off all my boxes in week one. Defense didn't look like they missed a beat, even though they lost Brandon Staley to the Chargers. Stafford had time to throw. He had a running game. Big Sean McVay guy. I'm buying. Buy or sell. The Las Vegas Raiders are for real after the win over Baltimore. All right, this is a quick one. They are not. I agree. I, I am sell. out on Carr, out on Gruden. Baltimore lost half their team to ACL tears in the preseason. I'm still out on the Raiders. You know, they're not going to be the worst. They're probably a seven-win team. They'll they'll be in the mix for half the year. But in terms of being a legitimate threat, I'm not putting stock into them. The that last defense two seasons, is terrible. The last two seasons, they've gone 7-9 and nine and 8-8. Eight and eight. Obviously, now, 17-game schedule, those records are impossible now. I don't see it from them either. Won't spend too much time on it. Yep. I just don't think they're super dynamic. I think the Ravens completely choked that game away in multiple ways. But, uh, hey, that was, a, that was a cool way for, for – uh, 
for them to kind of open up in that new stadium. And, and it was that game was yeah. very Vegas. It was very Vegas. Vegas will be on par with what they usually are. Yes. Seven and nine. Hey, seven and ten this year because we got an extra game. They're also just kind of the odd one out when you talk about that AFC playoff picture. Yeah, so I, I, I don't I don't see it. Last one, buy or sell. The Atlanta Falcons are headed toward being one of the worst teams in the league. I am way, way out on Atlanta. I think they blew it picking Kyle Pitts number four overall instead of picking Justin Fields and kind of resetting the team with an aging Matt Ryan under center. The defense is a mess. I liked the Arthur Smith hire a lot, but they got no O-line. They got no running game. They got an aging quarterback. That division. They added a tight end to a team that's not making the playoffs number four overall. Panthers are better than them. Saints are better than them. Bucks are better than them. I am out on Atlanta. They're headed toward a top three pick. Out on Atlanta. You ripped them a new one. I can't disagree. Let's just move on. Let's save our time. Well, we have the NFL picks up next. A big slate of games here. You'll get the predictions against the spread from Henry Trent and myself. On the other side of the break, last 15 minutes here of the Green and White Report. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Final 12 minutes here of the show, taking you till 1 o'clock. Luke Sloan, Trent Bally, Henry Menegos here with you. And now it is time for a weekly tradition here on the Green and White Report. It is the NFL picks. Henry Menegos, take it from here, sir. Sure. I, don't, I mean, we're going to try to keep track of these. I don't have a good system for that yet. so That's okay. We'll, we'll have to figure play it, it back. We'll play it back maybe and see how that happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, first pick here. We got the 1 o'clock game. The Bengals travel to play the Bears. Bears favored minus two. I love the Bengals. Um, I just, I dude, the Bears to me are just so, like, not. They talk about a team that doesn't have an identity right now. Matt Nagy coaching for his job. I feel like he just feels obligated to have Andy Dalton in there when really it should be Justin Fields building for the future. Just kind of a mess. Um, I know a couple Bears fans. They're very out on this whole situation. They just want to see Fields. And I, quite frankly, I like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that whole offense. And I just think they'll be able to score points. Although this Bears defense is flaunted, but give me the Bengals. So, Henry, you said that that was Bears minus two? Bears minus two at home. Wow. I don't that get it. That is a rat line. That's basically a pick in my eyes, minus two at home. I'm taking the Bengals as well. Big Joe Burrow guy. Next game, the Texans travel to play the Browns. Cleveland favored minus 13 and a half. This is a sucker line because I think – People are a little, it's a combination of people are high on Houston after they won last week, even though they are a horrendous team, and people are low on the Browns, but 14 is a lot of points, and I just think the way the Browns play, running the ball like that, I think if they get a 10 point, I think they win by like 10, well, I'll take Houston to cover the 13 and a half. That is a lot of points. That's a lot of points, too. I'm going to take the Texans in the points. Henry, we did not get to your Bengals-Bears pick, and then you can roll into the Texans pick as well. You know, I like Joe Burrow. I like uh, Jamar Chase, like what they got going on. Plus, they beat the Vikings, so I got to believe there's something. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me the Bengals, uh, Texans, Browns. I, You know what? It's a lot of points, but give me the Brownies. Okay. Wow, I can see them going either way. That's yeah. why this is fun. I'm kind of up on the Brownies, so let's, let's try that one out. Okay, next game, we got the LA Rams. Your boy, Matt Stafford, traveling to play the Colts. Rams favored minus four on the road. I don't get the Colts hype, man. And I, and I do get the Rams hype. I just talked about them at length, so I won't get too far into it. But I like the Rams to cover and win. I like the Rams to cover as well. I don't think they're going to cover that four and a half points dramatically. You know, the Colts, their defense is much improved. I think that Carson Wentz having him under center, 
you know, obviously that's an improvement over Phillip Rivers at the quarterback position. I see the Rams covering in this one, but I see it being like a touchdown game, but that still covers the four and a half. Yeah, give me the Rams as well. I liked what I saw from Stafford and the boys last week. They're, they look like an exciting offense, got some firepower. So A clean sweep. Yeah, give me a touchdown. I, I think I think a touchdown is good on that game. We're on the same page. All right, next game, we got the Bills traveling to play the Dolphins. Buffalo favored minus three and a half on the road. Love the Bills here. Um, I love the Dolphins roster, actually, and I like Coach Brian Flores, and I like what they're doing, but the Bills were kind of underwhelming in week one, in my opinion, and I just think they're going to come back with a vengeance. I love the Bills to at least make it to the second round of the playoffs this year, so I'm, I'm going to pick the Bills to win pretty handily, actually. I don't know. I, I, I think this line should be a little bigger. I'm also all in on the Bills. I mean, the Dolphins... You know, I know they got a big week one win on the road at New England. I put a lot of stock into that, but Bills are going to bounce back from that loss to the Steelers in this one. They're going to be jumping through tables in South Beach, just like those Spartan fans were down there yesterday. Yes. Give me the Bills. Legitimate AFC championship threat. I will say this is a pretty boring pick so far. We're all picking the same yeah, team. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, everyone's I can't, the same. I can't go astray here. I love the Bills. I love Josh Allen. I love my boy Stephon Diggs. Give me the Bills big. I got my boy. My roommate Nick is down in Miami right now. He was at the game yesterday. He's going to this game today. Nick, Give me love the Bills. Nick. Let's go. Oh, I'm next. Oh, sorry. Next game. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job. I forgot about that. Next game, we got the Patriots traveling to play the Jets. New England is favored. Minus six. Ah, this is a t- I ah this is a hard one because I think both these teams stink. Um, ah, I'll take the Jets. J E T S. Zach Wilson. J E T S. Jets. 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 Zach baby. Wilson played really well week one. I thought, with all things considered, and I just think six might be a lot. Patriots might win. Patriots probably win. Gosh, now I want to take them, but I won't. I'm going to stick with the Jets. I'll I'll take the Jets. I'm going with Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and the evil empire that is the Patriots. I do not see them starting 0-2 after that loss to Buffalo, a couple of division games to start the year. I think they go handle the Jets, and I think they cover. Yeah, I agree with you, Sloan. I think I think the Pace, or the Patriots take care of different uh, take care of business here. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So I think finally, they take care we of finally business. differ. We finally yeah, differ. But you didn't let me you finish. Have the, you have you the didn't let me finish. Yes, the Jets are going to cover though. I think this is going to look a little ugly for Bill Belichick and the boys, but uh, I think they're going to get the job done. Give me the Jets to take the points. Thanks. So. Got them in the points. Got Love the points. it. Next game, Niners travel to play the Eagles. San Francisco favored minus three. Um, mm, I'm not sold on Philly. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts as quarterback. I, that division is also just terrible, the NFC East. Um, but you know what? I'm going <sighs> to – yeah. Gosh, this is tough. I'll I'll take I'll take the Eagles actually. I kinda, really? I, yeah. I, Plus the forty niners. The forty niners have lost quite a bit in in week one. You know, we saw that they Moster went down, and who was the their, their uh, safety or was it a corner? Yeah, it was um, Jason Verrett. He he goes down they're, again. They're he a little thin. So much. I'm not sold on the Eagles for for you know the big picture, but I think they can cover this week. You know, I'm kind of coming in in the opposite spectrum as you. I have no clue how the Niners are only laying three points in this one. I'm not sure about the Eagles. I'm not really in on Jalen Hurts at all. I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. I think that it's good that San Francisco is going to kind of want to avenge the demons of letting Detroit go Lions come back on them a little bit last week in week one. I got the Niners covering big in this one. I'm actually going to differ there because I'm not sold on the Niners. Never have been. Never been sold on Jimmy G either. And All right, Hank. I think hey, uh, Trey Lance packages. They got them. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles could be interesting. Uh, I'm blanking on the quarterback right now. What, what's uh, Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. Baby. Jalen Hurts. 
He looked pretty good in the week one. Give me the Boomer Eagles. Sooner. Give me the Eagles. Uh, next game, we got the Raiders traveling to play the Steelers. Pittsburgh favored minus five at home. Yeah, it pains me to say, but I love Pittsburgh in this one. I just, again, I, I, I we talked about in buy or sell how I'm not sold on the Raiders. Enough said. I think Steelers roll. I think the Steelers win by double digits. Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas is not <laughs> a model of consistency at all. Who is a model of consistency? That would be the Mike Pittsburgh Tomlin. Steelers. I'm going with Mike Tomlin. Big Ben Revenge Tour. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll tell you what, man. I gotta love a guy like Jay oh, Gruden. Gosh, no, I'm great. just kidding. But uh, <laughs> we got ourselves a hey, Frank Caliendo what. over here. Fits it in the what, turkey man. hole over there. I yeah. tell ya. you, know Derek what? Carr, real team guy. <laughs> gotta love a guy like Derek Carr. Gotta pull through, win a game for you on Monday night. No, I'm just kidding. Give me the Raiders, though. Why not? They're they're hot. Wow, he's going with why John not? They're coming off a big Raiders. run. Give me the Raiders. That Next game's in Pittsburgh. Henry goes. He's got confidence in Pitt. He's got confidence in the team. Oh, by the way, give me Pitt or give me the Raiders. Outright, they're going to win. Whoa. So, I didn't know if I mentioned that or not. Hello. Next game, Saints travel to play the Panthers. Saints favored minus three on the road. I got to go with my roommate here, Nathan Stearns. Give me the Panthers. Panthers? Okay. That's yeah. it. That's I it. Like, I, like the, I like the Saints. I like the Saints. Ah. I'm sorry, Nathan Stearns. Christian McCaffrey is maybe my favorite non-Detroit Lion in the league. I love him. But I just think that, dude, the Saints looked really good last week against, I think the Packers are still a good team. I just think they have chemistry issues. So I like the Saints to win convincingly. I'm not going to say handily, but for only three points, yeah, I think they cover. I like the, I like the Saints. I don't really like Jameis Winston. I'm not sure that he's going to be as you know electric as he was in week one in that uh, impressive win. Give me the Panthers, man. Give me All the right. Panthers. Next Keep game. pounding. Yeah, sure. Keep pounding. Next game, we got the Broncos trying to play the Jaguars. And who's favored? Denver is favored, minus six on the road. Jaguars are trash. Give me Denver in the points. Yeah, but I'm not sold on Denver either, you know? Man, it's, Trent is... Trent what, Trent needs to see more develop in this season. Dude, I just Give don't Give me Teddy like, Touchdowns. Teddy Touchdowns is going for three. They're covering. Here's what I will say, that the Broncos have a fantastic defense still. I don't know about fantastic, actually. They have a good defense. I'll take the Broncos simply because the Jaguars stink. But again, if you throw the ball to Marvin Jones, you will win games. He's going to come down I miss it. you, Marvin. I still love you. I love Teddy Two Gloves. Give me Broncos. <laughs> Teddy Two Gloves. He is I my like guy. He's, I love the quarterback that wears number five. Yeah, give me, give me the Denver. Next game, we got the Vikings traveling to play the Cardinals. Cardinals favorite minus three and a half. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay, Um, the Vikings had a bit of a hiccup last week. Hank, I still like your Vikes. I like the team this year. But the Cardinals are a juggernaut, man. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in football. I like what Kyler Murray's doing. I like what Kingsbury's got going on. I'll take the Cardinals to cover that at home, too. I think the Cardinals win and cover. Skull. Oh, God. I don't know if anybody heard that clap. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the Vikings in this one. You know, I can't. I'm, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little surprised that this line is so small. See, yeah. that tells me something. That's why I think Vegas thinks this is gonna be a game. They almost. It's like they know something that I don't. And besides my bias, I gotta go with the Vikings here, man. What, what's Vegas? What's what's up with this? Skull, baby. Give me the give me the Vikes. I could I could see. All right, they're winning. Love it. Next game, Falcons travel to play the Bucks. Tampa Bay favored minus twelve and a half at home. This is so difficult. It's like the Browns Texans line where it's like, okay, they're either gonna win they gotta win by two touchdowns to cover pretty much, but I think they're gonna. The Bucs are gonna just roll the Falcons. We talked about in buy or sell about how the Falcons are just kinda on a one way train to nowhere. So give me the Buccaneers, give me Tom Brady, give me 
Rojo, playoff Lenny, all those boys. I think they roll. Give me the Bucks. They're going to cover win by a million. Yeah, fair. Uh, I was going to speak the Bucks, but give me the Falcons because I don't want to be. Right. Uh, I'm not following along. Twelve and a half points is a lot, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, it is. I'm gonna talk myself into it. I guess he dissents. We got uh, what? We got four games left here. Just a minute left, so let's get these rapid fire. Ca- next game: Cowboys travel to play the Chargers. Chargers favored minus three at home. Chargers. Justin Herbert has a great game. They get. I agree. I'm big. I'm in on the Chargers this year. Give me them as well. I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> Don't we all? Easy, p- easy pick for you. Yeah, give me the Chargers. I hate the Cowboys. That's it. That's the pick. Titans travel to play the Seahawks. Seattle favored minus six at home. Titans cover. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of points. It isn't Seattle though, but I think the Titans cover. Titans cover as well. A lot of points. Not comfortable with that. You know, I think Seahawks at home. Give me the Seahawks. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna take the points and the game. So give me the Seahawks. Twelfth man, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Next game we got Sunday night Chiefs Ravens. Kansas City favored minus three and a half on the road. Love I- Baltimore. You love Baltimore. Love Baltimore. Eh? Yep. I think they kind of fumbled the game away last week. No pun intended. But I do think that, you know, Lamar Jackson has given the Chiefs fits sometimes. At I'm, times. They played three times already. In I'm his headed career. in a little bit of a different direction. I'm on the Chiefs comeback tour bus. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna win this game and cover. Yeah, give me the Chiefs here. Come back to her. I like that. Next game, we got your boys, the Lions, One on Monday night. Travel to play the Packers. Packers favored minus 11 and a half. You don't even have to ask me. Disrespect. Lions cover. Lions win, actually. Bet the ranch. <laughs> Way too many points. Way too many points. Hey, we saw it last week with San Francisco. I think it closed at minus nine and a half. They covered that number. They're going to cover this number for sure. Give me the Lions. I don't get this line. This is a lot of points. It's for a, a team it's a, it's the a Packers prime, that scored three yeah, points last week. It's a prime week. time game. You know, it's a divisional game. Things get exciting. Give me Division the Lions, Division rival. Man. Give me the Lions outright. Yes, Give me the Lions outright. One pride. I like the Lions outright too, Hank. I like the Lions outright. Get to the quarterback. Just get to the quarterback. Well, we'll check in on how these picks do next week on another edition of the NFL Picks. But thank you, as always, for listening to the Green and White Report. Thank you to our guests, Adam Baker and Liam Jackson, for joining the show. Trent and I will be out next week, but we'll be back the week after that. Tell a friend about the show, though, and if you missed any of it, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. From Luke Sloan, Trent Bally, and Henry Menegos, this has been the Green and White Report. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org sports.